Good day, you. It's me, Drew Agnew, and you're listening to the House of Mario, the most structurally stable podcast on the internet. I'm on a Discord call with my mate, the obtuse goose, Bryce DeWitt, and special guest, Sean Light Connery, Capri Like the Pants. Today, we're talking about Pokemon cards, Wiimote design leaks, and does Bryce put too much pepper on his food? And I can't contain my excitement. It's so exciting. Oh my God. Woohoo! everyone and welcome to the House of Mario, the South Australian Nintendo podcast backed by 120 Power Star Rating. I'm your host Drew Agnew and the doors to episode 199 are open. Today on the show we're talking about Pokemon Unite, some early Wiimote design leaks and Sean's gaming journey revealed in Reggie's rec room. And to talk all about that is my best mate Bryce DeWitt and special guest Sean Capri. Sean, how you going? Do I really sound like that? Is that, is that what I sound like in the in my intros? No, no, no. I, uh, I was nowhere near <laughs> as good me, as that. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm cracking up over here, dude. Thank you. Can I just say, first of all, um, I've said it on the internet a couple of times, but you guys, I have to just say right at the start, this is one of the best, if not the best, Nintendo podcasts oh, on the geez. internet. I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy this show. It's something I really... And the funny thing is, I don't know what day you guys come out on. It just it literally surprises me every time. I'm like, yes! House of Mario's <laughs> here. I love it. Like It sounds so good. I was listening to you guys talk about Skyward Sword, um, the HD, and just your, your review of it is so thorough and so complete and thoughtful. And I just... I really have been really liking your guys' show. Like, I don't even have the, the proper vocabulary to really describe it, but you've had great guests on, you've been experimenting with stuff lately, and I'm just a big fan. So I'm kind of geeking out just to be here, dude. Well, thank you so much, thank Sean. Thank you, man. That, um, that means a lot to me because I've been a fan of yours for a long time. So it's the, like a... The student has become the master. You're so, <laughs> you guys are so good at this, man. You guys are really... You're, you're just killing it. So congratulations. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, thank you very much, Bros. You hear that, Bros? What, what, what a nice man. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, I never <laughs> would have considered myself a master. I would have I would have considered myself as somebody who stumbles over sticks every time. But, you know, I'm, I mean, I'm here. <laughs> the sticks stumble. I mean, I'm here. So, uh, I, yeah, well, I, I, I appreciate the, uh, the very kind words, my friend. Uh, I was honestly, bragging to my wife know. earlier. I'm like, I'm going on Drew Bryce's podcast. Like, this is great. She said, yeah. <laughs> she, had no idea what I, she had no idea what I was talking about. She's like, oh, so really? Wow, it those guys. Like next, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like what she does with the kids anyways. Like, I did, like just feigning excitement. And she's like, good for you. She's going back to her adulting and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. You go down here in the basement and hide out here and talk about video games, Nintendo. Yeah, I'll do the exact okay, same from Australia. thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's a bit of a different show this week, not only because Sean's on, but because Bryce and I are in lockdown. We are both at our houses. Yeah, yeah that's right. Um, Bryce is looking after mm-hmm. his kids at the same time, so good luck, Bryce. Um, I, I do appreciate you still making the time <laughs> to be here. I imagine how difficult that might be, but you'll do your best. Well, look, I have I have superpowers. That's just how it is. Yeah, well, thank God. Because I, I, need, I need some saving every now and again, so... And I need a super, Superman in my life every now and again. Yes. <laughs> All right, Sean. So I've got a, a couple of questions for you just to introduce you to our audience if no one's listened to you before, which they bloody well should have, but you know, just in case they haven't. And I'm, I'm interested as well. So I've got three questions. So what is the, what is the best beverage after a busy day at work? Ooh. 
Ooh, well, before, during, and after a busy day of work, I get um, I have a, a strange addiction to Diet Coke at McDonald's. Is kind of where I'm at with this, which yes. I actually have right now. Uh, they know me if they Delicious. if I had to like present my name at McDonald's to make an order, they would know me by name at this point. But they know me by order, like they know exactly who's going to be showing up. So it's it's a diet coke man with a nice a nice cold diet coke, and um, yeah, it kind of doesn't matter what time of day. It's that that's a little sickly about it. Yeah. To be honest with you, it could be nine in the morning, it could be nine at night, doesn't matter. Diet Coke. Is it particularly a McDonald's one? Because during the it Xbox is. drive and the Nintendo drive, you're always going to McDonald's and getting a Diet Coke and maybe some nuggets. I feel like I kids. should change it because you're right. And I because I kind of <laughs> was expecting a sponsorship deal by now. Like we've done hundreds of episodes of this where I drive over and I go get a drink from there. Yeah. And nothing. Nothing. I bought Happy Meals from them while on the podcast and everything. Um, and you're, it is because normally I'm a Pepsi Pepsi person. Ooh, like okay. When I'm buying like mm. canned pop or soda, if you like, yeah, it'll be a it'll be a diet Pepsi. But from McDonald's, there's something special about it. And somebody somewhere will tell me what the secret is. I think they like they refrigerate the syrup in the fountain pop. I think that's part of it. I don't know exactly, but it's it's special at McDonald's. But tastes better than anywhere else. So yeah, yeah. that's where I'm at, dude. With you going after it's a McDonald's food with MSG. <laughs> yummy yummy msg in my drink <laughs> probably i'll take it <laughs> at this point like i don't drink i don't smoke like i do very little drugs um and by that i mean none like if i it's my, my aspartame like that's kind of that's really that's kind of it dude yeah <laughs> yep no fair enough um i i quite enjoy a soft drink as well i'm not uh, quite as responsible with the sugar levels i have a, a normal coke um, mm-hmm. I quite like. I quite enjoy the McDonald's Coke. I actually really like the Hungry Jack's um, Coke. I think it's probably Burger King over there. I assume. Um, Ooh, yeah. Um, I've got no idea what Burger King tastes like. I've never been there, but because Hungry Jack's. Well, we've discussed this. You're yeah. you're a young pup. You're 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 mm. still in your twenties. You know, all that sugar really doesn't do anything to you. But when you're you know walking around with a cane like me and your bones are brittle, like yeah. you got to be careful about all that sugar. So you got to switch over to the. At least for me, to the diet. But everybody was kind of getting on my case about this Diet Coke. They're like, well, it's going to rot your brain. It's actually going to make you fatter. You know what, dude? So what? Say la vie. That's where I'm at. Yeah. Everyone that's that says that probably choice. does like hard cocaine or something as well. You know, Black tar. Definitely no, black definitely. tar heroin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. No joke. <laughs> Absolute addicts, you know. Judging me and my Diet Coke. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's see if you really want that McDonald's sponsorship. So what's your favorite food? Oh, you know what? Uh, I, I, I will eat anything. And, and anytime anybody asks me my favorite anything, I have a really hard time like picking anything. Um, but my birthday is coming up and my mother-in-law is very, very sweet to me. And I know that she's going to be cooking an amazing meal uh, of, of steak and ribs on her barbecue. And I'm so, so looking forward to that, man. I'm just... I know, like, I, I think about my good friend Garrett Bland from the Nintendo Shack, and he's trying to get me to, like, get off, like, beef, and I'm just, there's no chance. Oh. Like, especially for a special no. occasion like that. No, no way. Mm-mm. Cause, uh, but I'll eat anything. I'll eat anything. What does Garrett want you to eat? Is he vegetarian or what's... Paper, what's, I think. Paper, okay. I think construction <laughs> paper. Yeah. He's trying <laughs> I'm not to, sure what the other options are. He's trying to kill you or something. Maybe, maybe like chicken and fish. Like maybe yeah. that's part of it. I don't know, but yeah, the, the get me off the beef. There's, it's not gonna happen. No. Sorry. Um, as a as a sheep farmer, eat all the red meat you want, mate. Eat all the red meat. It's good for you. It's good for you. See, there you go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no veal. I will. I will say, probably say no to a veal. Like I feel like that's maybe where I where I draw the line a little bit. Fine if people enjoy it, but fair enough. Um, fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. Probably not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, veal's it's a bit rough. A bit rough. Um, that process. 
That's what you know what it was? It was the South Park ruined it for me. I don't know if you saw the episode where they try to free the veal. Oh, like the, the, yeah. the baby, the baby cows. Their their big cute eyes. I'm like, I can't do it, man. This is better than a a pita ad, dude. It just got me. Yeah, and they probably didn't didn't even have that intention either. But no. <laughs> Well, too cute. If you have like beef I mean, at McDonald's, you can at least just assume that it's mainly flour and other stuff. Anyway, it's totally fake. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's absolutely and it's um, <laughs> yeah, synthetic, synthetic beef. I think is what it is. Mm. I have been just doing the drinks there lately, though. I've been good. I've been I get my eating back in order, which means no burgers at at McDonald's. So just just the drinks. It's it's sort of like a lot of Canadians will go to like Tim Hortons, like a coffee shop. They'll go to just get their and I might instead of going there or Starbucks or whatever, I go to McDonald's. Yeah. So what? Oh, makes, so what? Makes perfect mm-hmm. sense to me, man. People getting too judgy out there, you know. Just let Sean live his life. Have a bloody no, diet coke. It's I don't fine. think anybody's ever said anything ever to me, and it's just like <laughs> these are the voices in my head that I'm having arguments with. <laughs> maybe deep down inside, like you know, I know the truth, and I'm maybe <laughs> maybe it's me judging me a little bit. <laughs> Grow up, man. It's still McDonald's. Yeah. Go to the place and grimace and Ronald McDonald and friends. Mm. Yeah. That's it. Old reference, dude. I'm I'm so old. I went to McDonald's when there was mascots there and everything. I, they had characters. Oh, I do, yeah. I do remember them. And long, good old days. Long, 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 long time ago. Yeah, now, mm-hmm. yeah, the Hamburglar. Mm-hmm. He was a cool boy. Yeah, mm. yeah. They had like molded chairs. They like shaped after like Ronald McDonald's face or different. I don't know. Like they had M's. It was it was a different place. That was very classy. They try to class it up a little bit, and yeah. I feel good about it. Yeah, it makes you feel better going there and getting your cokes a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh, this is a, a big one, but just. Don't think about it too much. It's the first thing that comes to mind. What's your favorite game of all time? Oh, it changes every time I think about it. Um, I'm going to say Mass Effect 2 is my is my favorite game of all time. But it could be different every every single time. And you throw like Mario 3 in front of me, I'm like, this is my favorite game. Mm-hmm. This is my favorite Mario. You throw Mario World in front of me, I'm like, no, this is the better one. So those are kind of like, and again, I just did it. Like you can ask me my favorite. <laughs> I can't give you one answer. It's, it's impossible. I will give you at least three. I'm kind of cutting myself, cutting myself short at three at this point but yeah grew up with a lot of pc gaming as well so between that and all the nintendo stuff it's uh it's tough it's tough to pick pick my favorite yeah there's so much variety in there it just depends what you're feeling for that day you can you can Mm -hmm. change like that i know for me sometimes it's uh smash brothers sometimes it's Mm -hmm. something else i don't know mario galaxy Ooh, see, and I could be convinced. I'm, I could be very, like, mm. totally. Gar- Galaxy's excellent. Yep. Even 3D World, when that came out earlier this year, I'm like, this is the best Mario game. <laughs> like, this is the one that I want. 3D World, Bowser's Fury. It's so great, man. Yeah. Oh, I'm so happy they re-released it because mm-hmm. playing it through, especially when it came out earlier this year, it was like, like the exact thing that I was after. Like, just, yep. uh, yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah. yeah. I had such a, a wonderful moment with um, with Lincoln, who's my son. He's he was three at the time. He's now four, and he just the the funny thing is he had been playing 3D World on the Wii U. We still have it plugged in, everything's, and he's been playing it. And um, we go to the to the Best Buy to pick up this copy, and I bring him with me just to kind of see what he would think about getting a new Mario game. And he just like his eyes lit up. He was so excited. We we had it we had it reserved. So we went to pick up our copy, and the lady hands him this uh, the box or the case for it. And he was just so happy. And it's like the funny thing, like he's already he already has the game, but he was just so happy to to get a Mario game and go home and play it. And it was just such a that's something I hope I'll, my memory is usually pretty terrible, but I hope that I'll remember that for a really really long time because he was just so happy to uh-huh. to get the game and, and bring it home. So 
yeah, that's 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 the magic of Nintendo that I'm rediscovering all over again, man. Like, Pokemon is in our house. Like, we're we're after it. We're we're walking around the neighborhood playing Pokemon Go. We were playing Unite earlier today, and um, yeah, it's uh for some of the especially with the thing, something like Pokemon, which I missed. Like, I'm just a little. I was just a couple of years older than my younger brother and sister who who started to get into Pokemon. I feel like I missed it. And then getting into podcasting and everything, everybody's into it. Um, and it feels like it's made a real surge over the last couple of years. The, I, I've declared this is the year I'm getting into it. Like, I'm starting to understand, like, which Pokemon evolve into which ones. Like, the cards, I love I love what you guys are doing earlier this year with all the openings and opening parties and stuff was so good. So I'm in it, man. And it's all thanks to really my kids. I, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm in it alongside them, which they love. Like, kids will love when you're when your parents are into the same things they are. So it's, it's, and it's genuine. Like I really want to get into it. So it's not even just me kind of placating to their, what they're excited about. And it's kind of the perfect situation. Yeah, that's awesome. Cause as like a lifelong Pokemon fan myself, it's just really cool to see someone else getting into it, giving it a go. And i like on your podcast and stuff, you're like discussing like, what, what should I give a go? Should I try Pokemon mm-hmm. Unite? If it came out, like last week, should I get into the mainline games, Pokemon Go, the cards? Like this, there's like so much stuff to look at and be like, all right, what should I invest in or invest my time in? And I was just yeah. like, I was wondering, like, what are you mainly interested in? Because I, I want to try and try and help you. Just like you know, mm. what should my path be into the Pokemon series? So let me know oh, po- what what you're uh, sort of thinking. Well, I think I think I will just be like I kind of just gonna dive in uh, later on this year uh, when what is it, which is a Diamond and Pearl coming out this year? Yep. I feel like I should know this already. I feel like I've talked about it already. Um, so I think I'm just gonna dive in and buy one of those games, and because um, one of the things that's happening, I'm sure we'll talk about Skyward Sword in a little bit. But um, my kids are asking me to mm-hmm. play Skyward Sword. Like they're literally asking, like, can Daddy play a Zelda game? Yep. So I, I feel like that's gonna be a thing with with Pokemon as well. So. Um, that's probably one of the ways, but also like Pokemon Go has really been kind of what I feel like it's kind of designed to do, which is a bit of a gateway drug into the world of Pokemon. Mm-hmm. So I'm starting to understand it. Like it, it's such an easy way to like learn the names of them. Like that's just number one. You know, I'm like, I'm actively trying to memorize the names of all these damn Pokemon, which what a terrible time to do that. You know, when there's what, how many, how many <laughs> yes. are there? Like there's probably like 1400. Yeah, so just an absolutely astronomical number of Pokemon. But I'm like, it's kind of testing my memory in a little way that I actually haven't had to flex that muscle in a in a long time. Like, actually memorize things. That's that's something that that in and of itself makes me feel like a kid again. Like you just memorize kind of silly things and like what they what they evolve into and what they what type they are. Like I just haven't really focused on that in a long time. Just. You know, you grow up, you kind of, you get distract, distracted with work or with podcasting and stuff. It doesn't really require any of that. And it's a, it's a very childlike thing to do, to go, let me study this like chart of stuff and see how much I can remember. And we actively kind of just, we'll watch Pokemon on TV, uh, on Netflix and stuff. And we'll, we'll start to shout out like, oh, I know that one. I know that one. So it's, it's very cool, man. It's, it's, it's funny to see like for me and for even my daughter, she's two and she'll start shouting out ones and she'll correct me on when I get a Pokemon wrong and we'll, I'll correct her when she gets one wrong. It's, it's a good time, man. It's really good. So Pokemon Go, I think, is where I'm at right now. Unite, I feel like, is maybe also a, a bit of a gateway drug into Pokemon as well as maybe even MOBAs as well because I've mostly ignored that for a long time. So uh, this is it. This seems, like the, this seems like the year. And normally I'm very overwhelmed by something like this because it's a gigantic universe of stuff. And... Also, normally, I'm usually quite intimidated by uh, rabid fandoms 
that can be that can be a little bit intimidating to me. It intimidated me with Animal Crossing last year. <laughs> yep. uh, just a lot of like, okay, I get it. You guys like this. Like that's very. It can be. It can be off putting to me a little bit. Um, but I don't know. It seems like just the timing is right for me to jump on into this Pokemon thing. But we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I think the timing's like is really good because of like Pokemon Go, like you said, that's continuing to evolve. Um, they're introducing mm-hmm. Pokemon a little bit slower to that game, so you'll be able to. You know, learn them a little bit, a uh, little bit um, more easily. But uh, yeah, as, as far as like memorizing the Pokemon the names. Snap, I forgot about Pokemon yeah, Snap, dude. Yeah, like that, yeah. I picked that up as well. That's been super fun to just like, and I and especially with the memorization thing, that's super helpful. And I'm seeing the same things over and over and over again. So I, yeah, it's, that that's definitely helping as well. So I'm I'm giving the Pokemon Company all my money this year. <laughs> I already have, and I will continue to just like they need it. Exactly. <laughs> I'm sure they're happy to have me though. Yeah, I'm sure they are. But as far as like memorizing, happy to have everyone. I um I can't I can't remember all nine hundred these days. Like it's not happening. Yeah, <laughs> like every single name. I still chuckle every once in a while. Like what, what is that? Sometimes I look at the scene. <laughs> like really? Like, okay. Yeah, but I think as yeah. far as like the mainline series goes, like I think a diamond and pill for someone like you would be a really great way to get into it. It's going back to nice. real basics to sort of understand it and that, uh, similar to you know what it used to be for fans like mm-hmm. myself and Bryce. It's kind of like. Oh, they're only remaking it. It's pretty much exactly the same, just with a graphics overhaul, and that, that's that's fine. But it's not it's not like what they used to do, where they bring up the older games, like the new mechanics, and that sort of brought it into like the the new generation of Pokemon. But this is this is different. Right. Um, we're going to enjoy it for what it's worth. But what we what we we're really looking forward to is Legends Arceus that comes out early next year, and just mm-hmm. from what you've seen of that being like a, a different take on Pokemon, does that interest you? Big time. Yeah, I mean, Breath of the Wild uh, in Pokemon mm-hmm. version, right? Like, it looks, of course, and and also very familiar to me. You know, like, I didn't really, I didn't grow up on turn-based anything. So I always think anybody who grew up on, like, turn-based RPG, RPGs or anything like that are just generally smarter than me because they just, they were practicing all, like, their understanding systems and even just reading more through video games. Like, that was always a thing. Um, I was definitely more into, like, sports games and action games, things like that kind of growing up. So, yeah, definitely a little bit more, familiar to me and um i'm curious to see just how what the gameplay is going to be like because yeah generally the I, from my understanding and i played i played um pokemon x or pokemon like a little bit and a little bit of sword i think um so i understand like kind of the general like take on pokemon and I, i'm really looking forward to this one because i'm really going to get into it but it seems pretty simple to me like the the actual gameplay of it so i'm kind of looking forward to see what this next one is like like maybe it's going to be a little bit more involved um, or maybe not, and that's just kind of what maybe a Monster Hunter Stories is for me instead, where a couple more systems kind of keep me more engaged from that front. But I'm just kind of at this point, I feel like what I'm what I'm locking in on is just what I like about like the design of some of the Pokemon, and which ones are my favorite, and things like that. I think is probably some of the core of what's going to hook me into this thing at this point. Yeah, yeah, I love a lot of the designs. A lot of them are weird, and they kind of grow on you. And then there's some other ones which uh, you'll hate forever. So there's a nice nice amount of variety there. (laughs) Sometimes I'm playing Pokemon Go and I'm like, I regret evolving some of these things. I'm like, I like the cute one. Like, I know I want a more powerful Pokemon, but I like the cute little, like little starter guy. I just want to, I don't want to, I just want my Squirtle to be a Squirtle. I just want to make him more powerful without turning him into a weird, like adolescent war turtle or anything like that. I just want him to stay cute. He's all right when he goes to Blast, we say. He looks nice and mature. You know, he'll look like he'll look after you, you know? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) That's next step. 
All right, so we'll talk about Pokemon a little bit later in the show. But uh, to uh, sort of um, get rolling into the show a bit more, I want to uh, highlight an Apple podcast review we got, Bryce. And we uh, got Bryce. We got the other day, Bryce. Um, I've already uh, read this um, to Bryce, but I want to share it with the audience. And Sean, because it's actually really funny. So this is from Arcade Phil, who lives in Australia. And the title is, What a Cool Podcast. And it reads, reminds me of the time I talked to my friend Terry about how arcades would become something bigger one day. Very cool. That's it. <laughs> you want to know a secret about this review? Who, who, oh, who was it? It was me. It was you, you fucking dickhead. <laughs> what? You wanker. You fucking bastard. <laughs> my my grandmother uh, was gifted an old iPhone by my sister. Oh, you bastard. Because. And you didn't because, tell me. Uh, she broke her phone. No, I wanted to hold it for this one. Oh, oh my was God. Gifted an, she was gifted an old iPhone by my sister uh, because she broke her phone. And I'm just like, I saw the podcast app. I'm like, oh, I know what to do. And I'm oh. like, I was just going to subscribe. And then I'm like, no, I'm going to be worse than that. <laughs> so I left a review to uh, oh, to well uh, get you out. Well done, you <laughs> bloody bastard. <laughs> got him. Got him. <laughs> we, we were playing Pokemon Unite the other day. We were talking on voice chat. I'm like, oh. And I was just on my uh, second monitor here. And I was oh, I just like refresh it, see if we got anything while I was getting the show notes together. I'm like, oh, I've got a review, Bryce. And it was really funny. And no wonder I found it funny because we got the same goddamn sense of humor, you bloody wanker. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. Well done, Bryce. Thank you very much. Well, thank you very much to Bryce for that Apple Podcast review. If anyone else out there would like to leave us a review, feel more than free. It helps out the show and all that type of thing. Bloody hell. They are, I don't know what the... Bloody hell, I don't know what to say Probably after arcade that. Phil. Arcade Phil. It's <laughs> a fucking good one, Bryce. I'll take, give you that. At least you know I liked it. I'm not just saying it because you're my mate. Yeah, no, I, I, I knew you would. I knew you would. Okay, the time. You like any review, let alone one that's in our humour, so. Yeah. All right. Mm, all right. Yep, shit. Wow. <sighs> so we started. He feels bamboozled. I do. I really do. <laughs> Lost myself after that. Um, so, Sean, earlier in the year, we started a brand new segment called Guru Geek Out, and this was very 100% inspired from what you and Bobby did on um, if we ran Nintendo and um, uh, a cup of Joe and Nintendo going forward, mm-hmm. the pay tribute to Bobby. And yeah, uh, I just want to th- like, I thanked you in other means before, but just, I want to thank you so much for allowing us this opportunity to do this on the podcast. Um, when I reached out to you before really yeah, appreciate it. It was never, it wasn't even mm-hmm. a question. Well, thank you, man. It's um, it was such a thoughtful thing to, for you to do. So I wanted to thank you about it and such a, such a classy way to do it as well. Um, you know, you guys really handle it really nicely. I know that you're never really like trying to just jack an idea off of somebody else. It's just a really kind of thoughtful thing and you want to work it into your show. So yeah, I just, I, I, I just appreciate you even thinking of doing that to let his memory kind of live on. So I've been thinking a lot about him lately, to be honest with you, as um, things in North America are maybe in some ways kind of returning back to normal and um, he's not going to be here for it. So it's uh, it's like the after the snap kind of happens, and not everybody comes back, unfortunately. So that's mm-hmm. been it's been on my mind, and um, I'm just really glad that you guys continue to continue to do it. And it's it's just perfect, dude. Yeah, as a, as as a friend, and uh, just such a a loud voice in the uh, content creating community. I don't think um, I don't think anyone's going to 
um, forget that man. And I think it's nope. just a just a nice way to pay tribute to him and bring some positivity to um, our community. But um, I guess my guru geek out for this week, Sean, is just I don't know if any of you guys saw the uh, Olympic ceremony opening last night. Yeah, and, and they when no, all the uh, when all the athletes came out, um, the Dragon Quest theme just started up. Like, oh my god, it's Dragon Quest! Dragon Quest, it's awesome! It just went through like a big playlist of video game music from you know stuff from Square Enix, Capcom, a lot of Japanese developers. Uh, it was just awesome, and people like on Twitter, I was just like following people along. It's like, oh look, this this is something from uh, say Monster Hunter. Oh, this is from Final Fantasy, and it was just a really cool moment because. Sort of watching it, saying, "I wonder if uh, Mario will pop up again, or you know, something you know, Japanese Nintendo or uh, Square Enix or whatever related." And it, it came out in like a really classy way of doing it. It didn't have like, "Oh, look, it's uh, Cloud from Final Fantasy, mm-hmm. and he's going to light the torch." <laughs> but, <laughs> but like a lot of people that didn't know it wouldn't have guessed it. But, but it was video game music. But um, yeah, too bad was- the torch. Too bad the Olympic torch wasn't a fire flower. You know, she. They hold it up right at the top. <laughs> yeah. Like, plunk, plunk, plunk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would have been, that would have been cool. That would have been, that would super not classy, mm. really. <laughs> yeah, of course. I put out a- If we ran the Olympics. <laughs> <laughs> I put out a tweet basically saying like, everyone at the time was like watching it, guessing what, uh, what might be there. And it, it kind of seemed like um, people were wanting like a, a video game announcement or something there because- as gamers, you imagine. <laughs> as as gamers, every big event you have, it's always got to be an announcement. You know, whether it's the Game Awards or E three, we don't really have like a big yeah. sort of thing to get around that is just celebrating them without um, trying to get us to buy something. <laughs> the final Smash character will be at the closing ceremonies. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, so yeah, um, do you have anything off the top of your head, Sean? You would like to do a guru? Geek is it out lame for? to say like this is my geek out? Like just being here, like I really was geeking out about it, just being on on this show. Um, or and I don't know if this is maybe getting to like what we're playing, but I'm also geeking out about the fact that Donnie Reese from PSVG and the Nintendo Shack is uh, bringing back to life the real Mario Golf, which is on <laughs> 3DS Mario Golf World Tour. And geeking out about that little um, tournament functionality that we're all playing. And people should join in. I think it's open to everybody. If, if Donnie didn't want it open to anybody, then shouldn't have tweeted it out in public. Absolutely. So, yep. yeah, <laughs> there's, a, there's a code people can, can look for on, on Twitter and, and whatnot. But that's kind of what I'm just kind of excited about, man. That I, I, I'm geeking out. I guess I'll, I'll broaden it a little bit. But my 3DS... It's just one of my favorite devices, man. This is this is what this represents, like such a, a just a rejuvenation of my love for Nintendo. Between this and the Wii, it was like, okay, I'm I'm back in. And my wife got me the the 3DS back in uh, Christmas, whatever year that was. I played a bunch of Mario Kart and just kind of escaped from my family. And now that like you know the Switch is out, and for a couple of years, it's kind of nice to just look at it even like it just feels good to hold i've got a i've got the new 3ds in my hands right now and it's got the cool face it's got a smash faceplate on it and i really really oh, like yes and it's just i don't know what it is about this i just like holding it you know it's not the most streamlined device it's not you know it's, it's still kind of clunky and honestly to hold it it's kind of heavy uh it doesn't have the best graphics or anything like that but it's just there's such a great library on this thing and i open it up to play mario golf and there's Bravely Default on there, and there's Ever Oasis, and all these other games that I could probably get to and, and play a little bit more. But it's just kind of, I get really, I don't know, if it can, is it too early to get nostalgic about a 3DS? But I kind of no, am, man. I feel. No. I go through the same thing, like, say, at the end of the 3DS's life, 
you're looking at the screen. Oh, the screen looks bad. The graphics look bad. I'm looking forward to the Switch. And then you, there's sure. always there's always a certain point in uh, the life cycle where you look back at the other system and you want to go back. Happened to me mm-hmm. with the DS, the 3DS, the Wii, even like the Wii, Wii, U. The Wii U now. Yeah, exactly. Where I'm yeah. looking at it and I'm like, you know what? I I want to get through Pikmin 3 or I want to you know go yeah. back and play some of these games. And it's always on a weird cycle because at, at the end of the Wii U, I was, I was ready to drop that king off a cliff. You know, oh yeah, going into the mm-hmm. switch, but like my Wii yeah. U is still hooked up, and I still uh, think about playing it sometimes, but I haven't played it. Before. Were you were you <laughs> podcasting in the Wii U era? Was this show? I can't remember when you started this show. Were you in the, in uh, the Wii U era? No, so we started it in um, May 2017. Okay, so, just so, after Switch. Okay, because what what yep. what Bryce and I were doing, we were like, oh, we've got to start the show. We've got to start the show, and uh, it's like, oh, we can't think of a name. We can't think of a name, and. Uh, we eventually, you know, got there a few a few months late, but we would have ideally yeah. we would have ideally wanted to start it probably when the NX got announced, top of thing. But right. Oh my gosh. Yeah. 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 We took a. I was gonna say that that, that might have been that might have been the thing that that pushed you to just throw the Wii U out the window because especially for like and Bobby and I were were doing Ifra Nintendo through the thick of the Wii U days and we just could not wait to get <laughs> that generation. Man, it was just unbelievable. Um, and all the things, and, and the funny thing, like one of the, Bobby and I kind of stopped doing it for Nintendo because we felt like we fixed it. We fixed Nintendo. <laughs> yeah. uh, everything we we actually started running <laughs> stop. We started running out of topics because it was like everything is much better now. And then the only things that really were, you know, still wrong with Nintendo, still are wrong with Nintendo even to this day. But you can really only do what are we going to do with our online infrastructure if we ran Nintendo? So many times, you know. So yeah, those are the, the pod. If you were a podcaster in the Wii U days, like God bless you, man. That was a, it. Was a, those are dark, dark days. Um, but thankfully, they had the you know both both pillars really working at that point. If if you weren't having something on the Wii U, you're probably playing something on 3DS. So, and maybe that's another reason why I'm so so nostalgic of it. Because even though I was podcasting in what I kind of consider the the heyday of the Wii U, the 3DS was really the thing that we were that we were excited about. A lot of games coming on the 3DS back in those days. Yeah, I reckon there was. I think it's actually still- kind of like. Yeah, sorry, bro. <laughs> I can't see you. So sorry. <laughs> no, I know, I know. I actually think that um, at at this current stage, you could probably make a case that you could go through the company again and find a lot of things to improve right now. Because right yeah. now, I think like they're getting like supremely cocky about how mm-hmm. they run the company. They've become much more of a business now than they have like a like a. <laughs> I guess, social company like they were when uh, Iwata and Reggie were around. Mm -hmm. Um, And these days, like, it just seems like they're pushing game after game out. And it it is mostly like, you know, we'll put it out and we'll finish it later. Or, you know, we've got ports. And like I said uh, last episode, like, I don't mind ports. Ports don't bother me, but they have to be justified. Like, uh, with the Wii U ports... I kind of excuse them because not many people bought the console and in my opinion, the strongest part of the Wii U library was the software. Um, but in cases like Wii, I made a pretty in-depth comparison of like, you know, uh, we got Sky, we got to Xenoblade Chronicles HD and Skyward Sword and the differences between the two is absolutely astounding in my opinion. Um, and I think that's becoming a real major problem for them with releasing this stuff. Uh, Mar- the Mari Galaxy port on oh. um, the the All Stars collection, it, you know, that was that was kind of like yeah, whatever. Um, you were getting three games for the price of 
you know, a full priced one for what it was worth. Um, so that's where you kind of draw the line with that one. You're like, you, you did put extra on top of it. So three games for the cost price of, uh, of one. Wait a minute. Wait um, a minute. No, don't put any positives on that package. That is an absolute. <laughs> and this is the thing. This is what, like the, the, the final thought on the whole, like we, we stopped it for Nintendo at a particular time. And it seemed like as soon as we stopped it, you fast forward a couple of months and it was like Animal Crossing comes out with, you know, all the problems that have gone on and on about that game. And to, to bring up the All-Stars, like, man, I've been on rants. I've had a very conflicted relationship with Nintendo. I should say that. Like, I've had a conflicted relationship with Nintendo over the last little while. And eventually, I just kind of, that kind of, I get a little tired. Honestly, it feels like a, a little exhausting. You just go, man, I'm just bitching and complaining a lot. But, ah, <laughs> uh, that's the Nintendo. I mean, like, that's how you know you're a real Nintendo fan, I guess. Don't, don't get me completely wrong. Like, I, I understand, like, the quality thing. Um, mm-hmm. obviously, obviously they could have done a lot more to it and it was like relatively lazy, but when I think in Paris, in comparison to Skyward Sword for me, being the person who just absolutely smashed through it in the last week, I, it, it doesn't like, you know, Skyward Sword's a, a game you're never going to change at a base level. Like, you know, you can't go back and fix what they've already done to make it a pretty mediocre Zelda game, but, um, I think like the list of improvements that they actually made to Skyward Sword, it, it was basically just like here we're removing some text boxes and here it's upscaled to HD. But like you know, apart from that, it, it's it's kind of bare bones and kind of just what you expect at the bare minimum. Like the button controls probably should have just been there day one if they could have figured it out and it wouldn't have been that much big of a deal so the reason why they weren't in the Wii was basically just we want you to use these controls um, which you know that's fun whatever and that was the draw to the game in uh, what was it 2011 um, that, that was the draw to the game back then but now it's like what is, what is the draw to it realistically when um, the Joy-Con controls they hardly, they hardly work at a decent level um, like if you, you try to use motion controls in Skyward Sword HD, which again, motion controls were the entire draw of the game. They don't work half as well as they did on the Wii. Um, mm. it, it, it's kind of irritating in that sense. Um, and it, it does kind of like the game is, the game is fine on, on a level of like, you know, if you're going to play it in 2021, you've never played it before. You want to play through Skyward Sword to get what you can out of the game, whether it be the lore or whatever. The HD version is fine, fine, but like when you're going through it, you're almost better off just using the button controls. Which, oh yeah, I, I mean, considering what I, I was sitting with the Drew just before the podcast, and um, <laughs> I was I was like beating an enemy or something, and I was just flicking the control stick like mad, and it was like unrealistic to what you could possibly do with a with uh, motion controls. It looks right? so funny. So. <laughs> It, it looks it looks ridiculous, um, but that allowed me to smash through the game so much faster, which kind of improved my experience because the game overall, you know, back in the day, it would have taken at least forty five hours to finish. I think it was um, for a first time experience. So I finished it in twenty five this time. So it cut down the wow. time significantly, but it took a lot of the magic out of the game at the same time, right? Um, and releasing that at you know an extra cost price to what it was. Um, was harsh. Like they made the improvements people wanted in like galaxy, for example, but those improvements are actually so minuscule that when you compare the actual packages together, um, between 
All-Stars Collection and Skyward Sword HD, you get more value out of All-Stars Collection than you do Skyward Sword HD by a lot because there, simply because there is three games. Um, but then, you know, when you chuck Xenoblade's, uh, Xenoblade HD into the mix, I mean, that added the... Like, it upgraded the engine entirely with the visuals. It added an extra story for the end of the game to help tie things better back to Xenoblade 2. Like, they actually made worthwhile changes whereas neither of those titles neither all stars nor skyward sword had anything meaningful in them that would possibly help the experience get better um really well and all stars for me like stung triple as bad as as normal because it was three games that got just the bare minimum let alone like and i don't know how you how you really want to look at it like i i i feel like the the what they did with with all stars was so bare bones that I just didn't play it at all. And for whatever reason, what's happening with, or what has happened with Skyward Sword is resulting in me playing it. And I and I actually am surprised at how kind of into it I am. And I will likely finish this game. Whereas all stars, I just I tried it. It was so far from what I wanted. And they at, the, at least at the time they they may p- patch this in as well uh, at this point. But no inverted controls. I think on Sunshine mm-hmm. uh, was a major was a major problem for me. And I just felt like really, I felt really cheated honestly. And I felt like the 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 brand of All Stars was just like not. It didn't live up. It was this is a thing that's actually happened before. And honestly, was like the standard for a remaster. It was like the original remaster um, back in the '90s. That's how you do it. And then this was like didn't even have the second galaxy, and um, I felt like they really could have they could have done something with the the camera controls in Mario sixty four, and probably could have made that widescreen all these different things. It's I just I felt so cheated I didn't even play it. So when I think about a value proposition for it, it's like maybe there's three games there, but there's three that that's three games that I'm actually not going to play instead of just the one. Um, but everything you say about Xenoblade is absolutely true. That was one of my favorite experiences last year, which is actually my first time playing any Xenoblade game. It's one of those that I'd kind of just seen before, didn't really understand, uh, or maybe I hadn't had like the, what I think are some like prerequisite games, whether they're in that franchise or just a bunch of JRPGs in general. I kind of had a couple more experiences in that area of, of gaming since the original one came out. And it was that trailer that they had at the, the Nintendo Direct of just like the, that reiterated what the story is, and it just captured my brain at that point i love that one but yeah i am not as um i'm not as scorn about skyward sword and maybe it's because my expectations were very low i was going into it talking quite a lot about how skyward sword isn't very good and it was super repetitive (laughs) and all the all the problems that i've got with the game um and maybe again it's my my experience is a little tainted because i'm playing with my kids and that's a really fun experience for me as well. I'm feeling very smart because I'm remembering some of the puzzles a little bit. But um, I'm also not, you know, I'm at a different point in the game as I think both of you guys, especially Bryce, like you've beaten the game and you smash right through it. Um, I remember being in the same spot playing it on the Wii and by the end going like, oh, I'm just so soured by this. I hate dousing. I hate all of that stuff. <laughs> just like mm, searching yep. around for stuff. This is not how I want to play a Zelda game. I want to. I want to like use. I want to. I want to explore the puzzles. And every time I finish a dungeon, actually, this is kind of where I'm at with the game right now. Is every time I finish a dungeon, I will not come back to the game for at least a couple of days. Like I'm kind of. That's yeah. kind of it. Because I don't want to go back up. I just like give me another dungeon to just go into. It's just the best part of the game, obviously. Yeah, exactly. And I think like that's that's where it sort of comes down to as well. Is that like. At the base level, Skyward Sword, its its experience in general is is just not great. So, 
by not having that not great experience in general and then coming into the game with these extra additional features. Sorry, I'm going to go. Oh. I'll pick it up from there. I think I think they <laughs> what I think is hard to talk about this cuz you're like we're really like looking at like bullet point lists of like these are the things that they added to and I don't think that that really tells the whole story even if it is a comprehensive list. I feel like you kind of almost have to play one and then play the other to kind of go the Wii is not the Wii experience is not nearly as good as maybe people remember it in their mind of no. being like if you were to play side by side I think it would be pretty rough. I think the 60 frames per second is a bigger enhancement than people even want to maybe realize. I'm not sure exactly why, but they maybe downplay that a little bit. It's a huge huge improvement. Um so that's kind of where I'm at with it, Drew. Yeah. Personally, like I I've put about 10 hours into it now. I've I think I've just finished the like the third um third dungeon so yeah, same here yeah mm-hmm. so I, i'm actually pretty high on on the uh, the re-release mainly because if you want to play yeah. if you want to play skyward sword like i think for me i always look at my time investment and my money investment so i would much rather say play with like say metroid i'd much rather play samus returns uh, instead of going back to the game boy version and playing metroid 2 on the game boy just because right. just because uh, like the 60 dollar investment like Australian dollars for that game is going to be a much better experience than say the uh, $5 investment of the Game Boy version. So I'm pretty much, I'm kind of the same with this. Like you can go on Wii U, you can get a a secondhand copy on Wii and you can get a a $40 copy of the game or you can spend 80 and uh, play it much better. Like you can play it in handheld mode. You can play it with the Joy-Cons. And personally, I think the motion controls are fine with the Joy-Cons. Um, I don't know what mm. Bryce's gone about. He might have had a broken, <laughs> a broken thing, but um, yeah, I, I quite enjoy them. You do have to resync a bit because the sensor bar isn't centering you anymore, so you're always right. sort of recentering. And uh, I was playing uh, just with the buttons the other day, and I feel like the buttons were like a really great way of controlling it too. It took me a little bit, a uh, bit of time to get used to holding in L to do the camera mm-hmm. as well. That was like really weird. There's like no other games that sort of you control that way but yeah i guess there are con- some concessions for making that into a a button controlled game but but per- like personally i'm pretty i'm pretty happy with the skyward sword remastered like i think the game itself it was always it always had problems and a remaster will never fix them unless they're going to like mm-hmm. remix it and just <laughs> take the guts out and just reconfigure it so it was never going to fix that but i think a lot of the things it fixes makes it a much better experience and just like what you said with the 60 frames per second, it looks way better. And with the motion yeah. controls as well, that helps with the motion controls being able to react a lot quicker. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm pretty happy with it. But, you know, I think also with Bryce, when, when he said that he, he spent like 10 hours on it in one day and he finished it in like a bit over the weekend, I'm like, our main sort of gripe with this game was that it was so repetitive. So. Yeah. How do you think it's going to affect your opinion if you're going to play it in just the weekend? <laughs> As well, I think that it doesn't really matter. Well, it's got, yeah, it's got to drive. It's got. It's, it'll drive me nuts. No, no. Listen, yeah. because here's the thing: is when you got to the end of it the first time, you put it down for like a week because you were sick of it. Yeah, because I right? played it so much in the one weekend. Yes, but at the same time, is like when you put it down, you don't want to go back to that repetitive crap, like. That's yeah, just how it is. Like I, I do that with it. And Zelda's my favorite series. You would think I'd be able to deal with it if it's Zelda, but like other games that do that shit, I don't do that. And and Skyward Sword is the same. A lot of the arguments center around Skyward Sword these days is like, oh, uh, people are just not remembering that Zelda is actually quite repetitive at its core. 
And I'm like, yeah, there is repetition for sure. Like, you know, you go to a forest area, you go to a fire area twice in like Ocarina of Time, you go to a water area twice in Ocarina of Time for sure. Yeah. But in between that, you know, you've got like the spirit temple and stuff like that that get introduced over halfway through the game and all that. But like literally every experience in Skyward Sword is a repetition experience. There's no new things to break it up like at all, unless you count Thunderhead, which Thunderhead is one puzzle and a boss. And that's all it is. Like, the rest of it. And then, like, Skyloft itself, that is not a breakup. Like, Skyward Sword is not a breakup like what Wind Waker was with the Great Sea because the exploration feels so extremely limited. Mm, yeah, definitely. Um, I, d- I don't think taking a break in between doing the actual game in full would make a difference. It would just make me not want to pick up the game once I've put it down, which is why I wanted to get through it as soon as possible because I'm kind of like, well, while I've got this in my head now, like, I don't want to get to... I don't want to be like, all right, I'm going to put the game down for a day, especially since I've got a deadline, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't want to put the game down and be like, all right, yeah, put the game down, I'll pick it up tomorrow. And then I go through tomorrow and then I'm just like... <laughs> I'm like, all right, no. So it's, it's like ripping off a Band-Aid for you pretty much. Right? I'm going well, to get through Skull es- Especially, especially <laughs> when you know what's coming up. Like I, I picked the game up, did eight hours in the first day and I got to the desert. Right, mm-hmm. and that's where I stopped. And I'm like, I know this part's going to hurt me. I'm going to put the game down. Right, I put the game down, and the next day I was dreading going back into it because I knew exactly what I was getting into. It's the I think that has part more to do with it than anything, Bryce. I think that, that, that you're bringing some baggage into this experience, maybe <laughs> yeah. more than anything. Yeah. No, 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 no. I, I, I want you, I want you to compare the first temple and the second temple, and then compare it with the third temple. And this is like the thing that I've taken away from it this time. Like this is this is not baggage. This is not something I really realized until now, uh, until I've replayed it again because I played it ten years ago, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but the desert itself, like I just don't like desert themes in general. Sure, and maybe that's a part of it. But the other part of it is that it slows you to a crawl in comparison to other places in the game. Yeah, there's electric enemies everywhere, which make you demand that you wait for them. There's quicksand, which if you don't respect the stamina mechanic, you will sink into the quicksand and go back to where you were after a cutscene that takes you time. There's slow-moving minecarts that you have to stand behind so BMOs can't attack you. There's, you know, uh, time stones, which you'll have to go back to an area to pick up a time stone or you'll have to do a centric thing to get a time stone, bring it back around. And then it's like, oh, well, I have to, like, turn that off now. So you have to take the time stone, put it somewhere else, shoot an arrow through a hole, take the time stone back to that place where there's a hole just so you can move forward, right? There's a lot of mechanics in the desert that slow you down. Actually, you really and like that's the time why stuff. Even like replaying it, I'm the like, time stone, I like this. Yeah. Listen, it's and it's fine, and it's a cool and unique concept, but combined with everything else that slows you down in the desert areas, like you're always slowly following something, like reviving the Thunder Dragon. You're like, I'm f- slowly following a minecart, or, you know, yeah. uh, I'm... In the, uh, what do you call it, Lanayra mining facility, and you're like, all right, I've got to throw a bomb into this thing which will make me a platform, and then I have to make sure I have full stamina to sprint over to that platform, otherwise I sink and I die. Um, and if you don't, you just waste time. You waste, you know, six to seven seconds of time just because you had maybe, like, the pinch off of your stamina bar to make that sprint, Right. Um, and that's, that's sort of something that 
has come to mind to me now because at like when I was first experiencing it, it didn't bother me too much. Like at all. I was kind of just like, all right, well I don't like desert areas, but whatever. Um, but this time around, I'm starting to realize it just how it really wants you to slow down at that part. It wants you to slow down a lot. And it's because they could only do so much with the game. They got two sets of dungeons, Probably, I think it's actually probably one of the lowest dungeon counts in the series, right? Um, I think yeah, it is. You, you know, when you complete like the tablet little thing at the start, you're a couple hours in, you're like, "There's those three tablets, you're done." Oh no, mm-hmm. that that can't be good. <laughs> we're gonna be we're gonna be retreading some of this stuff pretty soon. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and then like you know that that is the thing is that um, you do the first three are dungeons. The second the second time you v- visit are dungeons again. And then you visit a third time, which is not something that usually happens in Zelda. And that third time, it has two of the places have a really monotonous minigame that many people don't like. And that's usually like Elden Volcano, which where you are collecting all your weapons again and stuff like that. And you have to be stealthy and people didn't really care for it. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there was the entirety of Elden Woods underwater to collect those stupid notes which I know Drew hates with an absolute passion. He, he was taught, he was like you were saying to me last week, he was screaming at the screen because he hated that so much because motion controls with that section are absolutely shocking and you've got limitations to yourself. Um, and then the third one is the Thunder Dragon, which, you know, again, it has, has that slow monotony, but it's kind of cool to see the world change in motion in its own sense. But it is like kind of slow for what it is i wish i could speed it up somehow um fast forward button well even if you could just help push the cart along if that makes sense like through through the areas where there's like stretches of nothing um i think i think the problem like like what we've been saying since like we started this like fundamentally like it, it is the core of the game and that was never going to change that doesn't really necessarily mean that HD release is going to fix anything and I'm probably still going to feel the same about the game like regardless right you know and I knew that coming into it but I just feel like it's it's another when you when you I'm I'm trying to compare it more to Xenoblade than I am All-Stars Collection because I'm I'm very aware that that has problems like mm-hmm. no question um but I care about Zelda. Zelda is a series like I I would hold above any other without question. It's always been tied to me very emotionally. Um, and it sucks because I love Skyward Sword's story. It's one of the best in the series by far. It's got the best Zelda Link relationship in the series, which makes a huge difference to the tone. Um, Demise as a character is such a cool concept that like it was this demon king all along that now feeds through Ganondorf as like you know whatever spoilers by the way spoilers no kidding <laughs> yeah, that's I like, forgot you know, it was ten years ago <laughs> but you know um, it it is it is sort of like that journey that is is good through the story like even Groose even Groose is stupid. Stupid character and concept, but he's Terrible. played out so well. I love Groose. Right. I love Groose. Oh, yeah. I can't stand him. Oh, my God. No, he, Nintendo's going on and on better. with their tweets about it. Oh, no, he doesn't. Know. Groose is no. loose. He does. No. 
he sucks at the start, but he gets better. But you know, I that, always wonder who thing. is that for. But I guess, I guess that there you are. I'll, <laughs> I I'll actually, I'm finding a lot lately that a lot of people do like Groose, and I might be the only one out on this one. Yeah, the thing about oh, I can't. No, I, I hated him in the beginning as I well. I like his Don't name. Worry. That's what that's what I like about him the most. His name, Groose. What a freaking dumb Groose. Reminds me of Bruce. <laughs> <Can't stand him. laughs> Which I call Bryce. It always spell checks to Bruce when I write in Bryce. All the time. I've always got to go back. And <laughs> sometimes I just give up. So, all right, your name's Bruce. Bryce. Too bad. So, yeah. Um, Zelda. It's, uh, it's it's good. It's all right. Isn't it, Bryce? You love it. No, oh, he's gone. He's gone again. Oh, he's gone. <laughs> well, it's got, me, it's got me conflicted, Drew, because there's that and Monster Hunter stories. Yes. yes I've I- got giant games that I... How the heck, like, why can't we just spread this out? We went for how many months? You know, for with my switch, and I could I could have used one of these a little while ago. Mm. Could have been could have been good to have these not both in July. Thank you very much. Yeah, I'm the same way. I bought it the month, oh, sorry, the week before Skyward Sword, and I sort of want to get Skyward Sword out of the way for content reasons. Yeah, but like just for fun, I all I want to do is play this goddamn game. And it's yeah. As a Pokemon fan, it's just been really nice to have like a, a different take on the the monster sort of collecting. Um, formula as well as like the battle system is really fun. It looks really weird mm-hmm. when you're looking into it, but the tutorial teaches you really well um, how, yeah. to, how to adapt to it and learn it. And yeah, I, I love the demo so much when I bought the deluxe edition afterwards on the eShop. And I know you've, you've been playing it as well because you've been talking about it on the Nintendo Drive. And yeah, you, have you been playing much or have you been sort of sinking in the Skyward Sword and some other stuff as well? Skyward Sword's a little is a little distracting and yeah. Pokemon Unite now again. Like again, like guys, like we had all this time. Again, there's all these games. I'm I'm playing a lot of Switch right now. Uh but I think yeah, I think probably what is most manageable is to to burn through Skyward Sword and just kind of get that experience in, but I I don't want to I don't want to fall too far away from Monster Hunter stories too. I you know, and, and just like Pokemon, like we talked about before, I'm kind of taking this as my opportunity to like get into and understand Monster Hunter, which I've never been into. I've called it kind of looked from afar and went like, I don't understand how that even really works. And it seems very intricate to me. It seems very complicated. And for whatever reason, this um, turn-based style seems to be a little bit more simplified. And as you mentioned, like I, I get all of it. Like I seem to understand what why I would lose, which I really haven't been doing a whole heck of a lot of. And the kind of just the anime nature of it all is, is very charming to me. And I, I play whenever I can, I, I play a game with Japanese voice and English subtitles, which for whatever reason, just um, it seems to work for me. It, it has a it has a strange charm to me that I that I'm really here for. So, yeah, this is but I don't know how to do that. I'm not very good at this, Drew, like playing two kind of big games at the same time. I'm really this is not a strength of mine. Uh, and I failed at it many times before, so we'll see. But I do think, like, yeah, probably mainline Skyward Sword over the next couple of weeks and maybe get back to Monster Hunter Stories. And it was the demo that really sold me on it. I love the fact that you, whenever there's a demo where your save carries over and that process was very, very simple to me. I actually played it. I've been playing mostly in like TV, on the TV and um, went back to the office this week for the first time and played it in handheld mode. I will say it's a little, it's pretty rough. And handheld mode. I'm playing on my on my Switch Lite, and um, yeah, definitely some areas are better than others. But what? Are, I'm just so happy with it. I didn't know what to expect. I'd never played a game like this before, and it just feel. I love that discovery in video games. You're like, this is new to me, and I just, it's 
I don't know. You don't get that very often now. It seems like, especially when you've been playing games as long as we have, it's like you, you feel like you've kind of played everything. But of course, that's not true. And especially in this case for me. So I'm I'm having a good time with it, man. Yeah. All, all the characters are really like nice and memorable so far. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm playing with uh, the English uh, voices with just subtitles on as well, just so I can I read along. For some reason, when it's automatically on, I just just end up just reading, reading it down the bottom instead of actually like paying yeah. attention to the expressions and stuff. But yeah, totally. I will say just with uh, the performance, the performance does leave a lot to be desired in the frame rate department because yeah. uh, in it, I actually found it a lot better in handheld mode, to be honest, because I'm playing in handheld mode. I can see that the um, that the frame rate is pretty low. It's probably like 25 or 20 um, FPS. Yeah. And the problem with it as well is it's not locked. So in, if you're inside, it might be 60 frames a second. Like it, it looks, right. really, looks really good. But then you go outside and it drops a lot and, it actually came to the point where I'm playing it on the TV and I'm playing for about 15 minutes and my eyes are strained just from just from oh, the frame Oh, really? Because I seem to struggle with, uh, you know, pretty low frame rate. It, it, it hurts my eyes. So I end up just putting mm-hmm. it back in handheld mode and it's not as much of a, a draw for my eyes as much. But I'm Yeah, re- just not as big to look at. It's it's yeah. the villages really. Like that really kind of mm. get a little, little bogged down. I think you, you go from your, your bedroom and then you go outside and see all the people and all the quest boards and everything. It's, it's kind of a dense area, mm. I think, is kind of where I notice it the most. Yeah, because it is a really pretty game. So you can see where the yeah. resources went. And w- when they announced the Steam Deck, I'm like, hmm, I wonder if I should get it on PC because... That's what I, get, man, get rid, I was, get rid just, of that problem. <laughs> they were talking about, um, on Nintendo Shack, they're talking about how it was available on PC. And I don't even think I realized that. And I, like, it's nice to have it and the, the, the portability of the Switch. And I can go back and forth and uh, from TV to handheld. So I'm, I'm happy about that, obviously. But I'm like, would I have liked this on my PC? I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. Cause every time I bought a couple of games on PC and I just never really finish them. Yeah. Cause I just don't want to, I generally just don't want to sit in this chair. To be playing games, I I've got a old man recliner next to my TV, and that's kind of where I just like to kick my feet up, throw a blanket on, you know, and just have my my game time there. So yeah, no, I, I just kind of deal with it. Yeah, I need my RPGs on a handheld, like I need them. Yeah, I just, yeah. I'm not playing an 80 hour game or whatever on the PlayStation or the Xbox. Locked in the it's, same it's, spot. It probably just won't happen. You know. Well, it was a huge difference, like on PlayStation, like going from um, Persona 4 Golden on my Vita, going like, I love this game. That was um, one of those, you know, gateway drugs for me into turn-based RPGs, as late as that was for me in my life. And then I go into Persona 5 on, on PS4, and just, I think I dropped out after 15 hours or so. It's just like, it's just not possible. So, especially like with, with, um, with on the Vita, I think I we had a we had a road trip to some other part in Canada, so I got a good like eight or nine hours in on this road trip Ooh, one way, another eight or yeah. nine hours on the way back, and it was like it's just not possible, obviously, with anything else. So, yeah, mm. yeah, just having that's that's part <clears throat> part of my conflicted relationship with Nintendo over the last year was we didn't go anywhere, so I was basically staying home, and I had other you know consoles that were connected to the TV. I don't I don't play in handheld mode at home, and I know a lot of people do. Like more and talk to people, like a lot of people do that. Yeah, I do. just like even yeah. sit in front of the TV and play in handheld mode, and that's I don't know why. It's just that's that's not that's not really what I'm doing. But you know, I take the bus into work or. Uh, maybe you'll get on a flight as the world opens up here a little bit. And that's, that's where the switch is really hits home for me. But with these games that are coming out, it's, it's getting back onto the TV for me. Like I'm really enjoying playing Skyward Sword on TV and, and Monster Hunter stories on, on, on the TV as well. It's, it's been a good time, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Cause whenever I play something on the TV, I've always got to basically kick Chantel off the TV. 
So right. um, if it's a game, I'm like, yeah, I'd like to play this, especially like an RPG. Like if it's something she can't watch, really, if I'm just like grinding or something, so she'll be there. What are you doing? This is, this yeah. is, like, this is annoying. This, mm-hmm. that, that, that sound effect that's playing all the time and this music you're looping all the time is really doing my head in, you know, like, a, yeah. like an RPG. Um, but like with Ratchet and Clank, it's a bit more dynamic and a bit more story focused. I'm like, all right, get get off the TV. I'm playing this. Like I, re- I was really yeah. looking forward to that. So um, that was a bit easier. But for like any other game where it's like, I just want to sit here and like kill these uh, monsters again and again, so I can get this loot. Yeah, I think I'll, yeah. I'll drive a nut. So I've got to pick my I've got to pick my battles when I get the TV. But I'm always playing handheld mode pretty much all the time. And it was and it, that's it. it it's so much of like just lifestyle, you know, yeah. like I play my games after the kids go to bed and my wife and I are down here in the basement. Like we, we, um, we put two TVs on the wall. So even if oh, like, I know awesome. we're, we're never really taking up like the one TV in the room. Um, so that has part to do with it. And then the other is just like when I'm playing games, my wife is probably working. Like she's a photographer. So she edits at night. So she's like, we're like ships in the night. We, yeah. Like we live together. We see each other mostly. But uh, yeah, when I'm playing games, like we're not—I I don't ever feel like I'm occupying uh, one of the TVs. So that's that. I think that has a lot to do with it as well. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. It's not really like I'm gaming during the day or anything like that. Like I'm either working or hanging out with the kids or playing Zelda with them. So yeah, it's a, it's a, just a it's a different life, man. Ten years older than you, so just get my <laughs> cane, going to bed nice and early. <laughs> <laughs> you don't go to bed early. You're a you're a no. I'm really playable. not. I really should though. Yeah. No, that's a mistake, though. Mm. It's because you get most of, the, uh, most of the things you get done at night as a parent. Like oh, definitely. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Like, my night doesn't even start until, whatever, 8 o'clock or something. So it's like, what am I going to mm-hmm. do? You know, just call it quits at that time? Like, no. That's when you get nice second wind. And, yeah, you play the games. And that's that's it. You get your alone time at that point. So Yeah, absolutely. Sort it yeah. out. I've always been the same, too, though. I, I start up late because that's when like my mind starts ticking over for whether it's podcasting stuff or just wanting to play a game or something. So mm-hmm. I'm kind of built for that because my mom, she doesn't go to bed till like two o'clock. She's always up as well. So I think I get it from her. Um, as oh well. yeah. I miss, but the other thing too though, is I feel like I don't, I don't know if I have the eight hour like stamina <laughs> anymore. Like I, I, I'm jealous of people who are able to like sit down and play a game for, for that long, I just don't know if I either is maybe it's an attention span thing or I'm not sure, but I, um, I haven't had the opportunity to do it in so long that I think if I did, I don't know if I would actually, I feel like I would just fall asleep in my chair. Like, I think that would be that. That's really where the, where the old man kind of kicks in. Like, and eh, no, maybe I'll just conk out for a nap here for a bit. I am kind of similar though. Like I, I sit down for three hours or four hours. I'm like, yeah, I'll, I need to get up and do something else. I kind of mm-hmm. lose, lose interest a bit. Um, and depends on the game. My last like massive, depends on the game. My last massive stint was uh, when Pokemon Sword and Shield came out, and uh, what did I, I? I played it from twelve o'clock when it came out in the eShop. I think I played it for about four hours. Went to bed. I went to work. Work was a was a was a short day because I think it was weather affected or something. So I came home about lunchtime or one o'clock. <laughs> and I played Pokemon from then to seven o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah. I, then I went to sleep at seven and I woke up at 12 and I went through and finished the game. Oh my God. Like I, I, I can't believe See, if it's rare, <laughs> then it's very special. Like if it's something you just do all the time, then I can imagine even just getting burned out on games. But if you're just like, you kind of just lose track of time. That's a special thing when a game does that to you. Yeah. I guess like the Pokemon series, I just, I can play it for forever. Really? I don't know. It's just, 
regardless. Yeah, I'm of- such a dummy. <laughs> I didn't even know there was an end to these games. Like that's how dumb I am with Pokemon. <laughs> like you can be- you can beat the game. I just feel like these games are forever. Yeah, you get there. Eventually. The thing you not. love about Pokemon in general is that um, Pokemon can be a varied experience from anywhere from casual to professional. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's um, at its base level. Like when we were when we were kids starting in the day, like. I had no idea about EVs and IVs and stuff like that, which was, you know, how to make Pokemon unique. So Drew would kick my ass every time. Um, but, like, you know, as you sort of discover that and you get into it and the mechanics that are sort of into it, you, you do... There is times, like, when a new Pokemon game comes out, you get stupid invested, um, especially... Yeah. It, and it doesn't matter what grade you enter in. Like, you could be going in there and you're like, I don't give a shit about the story. I just want to raise competitive Pokemon or whatever or you know, whatever, and you get to the end of the game and you do that. Or as a casual player, like, I can't wait to race some cute little creatures and you kind of just do that and, like, you get real stuck into it. Like, you really want to put in the hard yards to do it. Um, and I think that's what is so great about the series. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that when you eventually find your place in that, you, you'll sort of get comfortable and you'll be like, yeah, this is, how, this is what I like about it. Like, you might be somebody who's like, I like breeding... Uh, competitive grade Pokemon or you might be like I just like collecting them or um, you might just be the person that's just like I just like going for the journey and then putting it down when it's done but I I think it grabs everyone eventually Sean will be the world champion by this time next year I can guarantee it hey he could be here's the thing is he could he could discover things that that's the thing with Pokemon like anybody can discover things that nobody else has thought of think that is not what I'm gonna be doing (laughs) no 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 just think of like the Pachirisu the there was this Pachirisu I don't know how much you know about this stuff uh Sean but there was this Pachirisu which is like a Pikachu clone of the fourth generation right um a little squirrel that it was a little squirrel that looks like a Pikachu in its own sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and somebody had, like, everybody considered it a useless Pokemon, but there was a person who took home a world championship by raising this thing and doing something entirely unique with it that nobody had ever thought of. And that's what's crazy about it, is that it only takes, like, one spark of inspiration to change change something or throw, like, somebody completely off their guard. or And it all comes down to a love of, like... I really like this Pokemon, so I want to use mm-hmm. it, even though it's not useful at all. You know, people find ways to use it, and I think that's pretty crazy. Sean will be using his uh, spinner rack, uh, using sticky web, and making a—I don't know. Don't know. You'll, you'll come up with something. Giving too much credit. I'm just trying to figure out how to pronounce some of these names, man. <laughs> <laughs> just a patch of what? Yeah, exactly. A wobble buffet. <laughs> wobble. <laughs> wobble. At the end of the day, though, like, like I've got a friend at the moment who's trying to go professional, and they they haven't been into Pokemon for very long at all. All right. She's getting. Is that, that my sites appropriately? Like, I'll yeah. just I'll just try to remember some of these names. That's kind of where I'm at. Just I'll play, be happy if I do that. Just play nice yeah, and casually. Yeah, Enjoy yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, do it for now, and you'll figure it out down the line. That's kind of what I'm getting at. I just want to hold my own when my kids really start to learn it because I, I feel like we're both at the same levels now, but they're going to be able to spend hours into it. So that'll be, that'll be enough for me. That'll be good. Cause Lord knows I, I just, I, one of the things I'm, I'm always kind of envious of people who are really into games. Cause it's just like, I just don't know if that's going to happen for me at this point. Um, like for anything new to really like really get into it. It seems like that those are things that you do in like so your formative years of, of gaming or even just 
getting to know various bits of it, of entertainment like comic books for example like is not th- this is not the time of my life where i'm gonna go like i understand like the full like even just watching the mcu movies and all the things that they that they reference and stuff like people understood what the heck was going on i'm like i have i have no idea so it's um i i but i always enjoy when other people are really into it. it's a huge reason why i like this show because you guys like you're into it and it comes through like that's very infectious to me and i I even though I will I will never be like right there with you. That's why I listen to you guys. Is I want to hear more about it, and I I want to like see just how far down the rabbit hole goes. I just I have a huge appreciation for, appreciation for that. If I'm not going to be the one to be like the expert in that area, it's not it's not dissatisfying to me to not be the expert in it. So it's kind of it's kind of fun for me. Yeah, no, definitely. And I feel a similar way just with even music, just like getting into new genres. Oh yeah, new artists like. Uh, like some of my favorite bands, I'm like, I was listening to this in high school. Like surely something else has come around that's just, just like really mm-hmm. grabbed me and given me goosebumps when I hear the song for the first time. But yeah, it's, it's pretty rare. So I think it's similar with games too. Like even when I look at games like, you know, Smash Brothers, Pokemon, Zelda, <laughs> Mario, it's, like, it's, all, it's yep. all from Same. years ago, you know, mm-hmm. which I um, absolutely love. And I've, I've picked up a, a couple more since, but, you know, nothing, nothing that's like really grabbed me and ma- made me want to go and, uh, create a podcast around it so yeah i think that's something like, a lot of us face so that's what that's why when you say like oh i'm giving pokemon a go this year this is the year i get into pokemon i'm like yeah you know good on him that's mm-hmm. a bloody good effort <laughs> like i said i feel like i played everything but i haven't pokemon and even and monster hunter stories are like those are or monster hunter just in general it's like this that's why you know because you just you're right you feel like you've been playing the same mario and zelda and whatever else like forever so even when splatoon came out it's like thank god like something mm something new or, or Pikmin is, is a little bit even um, kind of in that middle of it's, it's not quite as nostalgic as something like Mario, but it's not as contemporary as, as, um, as Splatoon, but that was, that was good and fresh and totally, totally different genre. You know, that if you played it, like you have, I think you have an appreciation for Pikmin. And if you haven't played it, then at least it looks at the very least, it looks interesting. Like what are those little creatures? And it's just got that really um, very, very typical Nintendo kind of charm, but also like just solid, game design that you can really lock your head around and, and, and work at. So that's why we like Nintendo. That's why we podcast about it. Yeah, definitely. All right, guys, uh, been an hour in, I think we better get to the news. So Sean's not up at two o'clock in the morning or something, you know, he's <laughs> pulling all nighter with you guys. Yeah. Oh, not. Oh yeah. Seven o'clock. Woo. Yeah. You might regret it the next day though, Sean. So that's the only thing. Mate. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Let's get into the news. Woo-hoo! Yeah. All right, so finally, us in Australia will have access to the 25th year anniversary Pokemon cards in McDonald's. Sean, I know you've already probably bought out your McDonald's every episode on the Nintendo Drive there for a bit. You're going to McDonald's, hmm? getting your Pokemon cards. I might have started this whole thing, actually, is how available they were. Those cards, yeah. that kind of, the McDonald's cards got me going on this, man. They did their job. Yeah, so every time I was listening, you're like, oh, you know, I got this mudkip and oh, I'm getting this squirtle. Oh, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty, pretty good, eh? I'm like, listen, like, when they come into Australia, I want to go and get my bloody little kid's meal with my little apple juice yeah. and a bit, of, a bit of apple to nibble on and open up some Pokemon cards. Mm-hmm. But now we're finally getting <laughs> what them. What are you talking about? That's your regular. Yeah, that's my regular. I always, always pop yeah, in and get a bit. That's all you kid's meal. <laughs> Happy meal. No, I'm a hungry. We're Nintendo fans, damn it. Bryce, you know I'm a hungry bastard. I'll get the bloody, the big meal, the Big Mac, the 
Um, I usually go for a wrap. I quite enjoy their chicken wraps, actually, McDonald's. But yeah, we don't, nice, actually, we, yeah. don't, we don't have a date or anything, but um, the uh, website has a, uh, updated um, for coming soon for the uh, McDonald's Australia. So just uh, a bit of a heads up. It will be happening soon if you're here in Australia. So keep your keep your thing on there. But um, Sean, did you... How much of the collection did you get? Did you get the, the Pokemon you wanted? Were you happy with uh, the amount you got or were you sort of just cringing at the amount you spent? Mostly, well, the thing is that it's usually with the toys at McDonald's, you can just buy the toys, right? And this was like right in the middle of, I don't know, maybe I, you guys are more in touch with this than, than I am. Like, is it still quite as crazy with the Pokemon cards as it was? Has it maybe died down a little bit from a couple of months ago? I don't I, know if it's quite as Maybe nuts. a little bit, a little bit. yeah. Only just a little bit, but there's still like it, as 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 long as stock goes up in our stores, it, it does disappear. Oh um, yeah. yeah, it it just takes a little bit longer than usual than it, than it usually was like a couple months ago. Uh, but I definitely walked into a Kmart the other day and there was like a full a full box of like Chilling Rain on the uh, on the rack, and then went there two days later and it was gone. So. Mm. Yeah, it it does. It's definitely still in that period. Well, the reason I bring it up is because, uh, like, it was um, when they were available here. It seemed like everything was just nuts about it, and they made you buy the meal in order to get the cards. Where normally you can just buy like any um, and as many as you want. Like you can buy as ma- uh, the, the McDonald's toys. You can just buy them without buying, getting the meal. So yeah, here I am going on the Nintendo drive, pulling up to McDonald's, and I had to spend like six do- six or seven dollars just to get these stinking cards and the food that I didn't really actually want to eat, but I. Ate it anyways because you know kids in Africa and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, so you can't you can't let it go to waste. So I don't know. Like, I don't. I think probably I got the whole set, but I actually didn't even honestly. I just didn't even like look into it to see like what what I could have gotten. But I think there's like four cards per pack, and I was pretty happy with it. You know, I I I recognized the Pokemon I was getting, and we mostly just gave them to the kids. Like that was kind of the that was kind of the thing. They would they we've got their they got these cute little card holder things. They've got the the big size ones that you can get, and then a couple cards that they would they would smash in there, and it's not big enough to hold all the cards that they've got because we've got like five or six cards kind of stuffing into one little package. But I don't know. I don't know if they're not gonna be, if they're gonna be worth anything either. Um, I'm treating them like they're not, but maybe mm. I should. And they look indistinguishable from the other cards that we've been getting. So that's kind of that's kind of a neat part of it as well. I'm not really sure they will be worth anything because of the amount of people that have scalped them at this point. Yeah, and card collecting these days and especially due to the pokemon uh, the pokemon surge is that people are taking a lot better care of their cards now mm, um definitely. so they probably won't hold the same value that you see these crazy cards getting in like you know this charizard that sold two hundred thousand dollars or whatever you know that's probably not going to happen um <laughs> but i think what it's going to come down to mostly is that uh the market itself in the future is not going to be as high as what people are expecting it to be yet. They're still doing it because they see these prices and they go, my shit's going to be worth that one day. I'm like, it's not, it's not really. No, that's why I never collect anything with that mindset. Like it's just, it, once you come to understand it generally, like you're too late. Like if, if, because somebody else has kind of discovered how, or they've made the sale. That's really the thing that kind of shatters everything. But Amiibo were the same. You know, there's all these crazes of people trying to get in, get in on it. I, I, I've just never, I've never really gotten into it for that reason. Because, like, I, I guess at my core, I just want the thing. You know, like I, I don't want to sell it. <laughs> like I, I keep a lot. Of, like even just behind me, I've got a bunch of toys. Probably some Amiibo. Maybe I could sell for a couple times more than I bought them for. But I don't want to get rid of them. Like I bought them to have them. I didn't buy them to as a, I don't yeah. see them as an investment in that front. 
Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and I mean, like I've I've got a bunch of Pokemon cards that even that even though I know they're not great anything at PSA or whatever, I'm just like, whoa, this card's special to me. So I've sort of like sealed mm-hmm. it up in like hard plastic cases, like. Uh, my first rainbow rare like that, I uh, sealed up in a hard plastic case, like screw down and stuff like that, just because I'm kind of like, whoa, this is like my first big endeavor with these things. So I kind of just want to keep a hold of them for my own memory's sake. Um, there is only one sale that I'm making, and that is a Charizard card. Um, but after that, like anything, anything of lesser value, I'm just going to hold on to. Um, yeah. it, it is. It is kind of like, what is the point in like holding all these things, just expecting them to sell in the future? If realistically what I want them for is to look at and view and have, and um, maybe one day they'll get sold, but you know, that's, that's not the primary reason I'm reason no, I'm collecting them. The cards are a yeah. lot more interesting than they were in 19, like in the nineties. They, mm. they are, they are absolutely crazy looking now. Like some of the stuff that they do with them is just absolutely awesome. So it absolutely baffles me that people are like, I'm going to sell this hollow Charizard from the nineties for $200,000 and people just getting that. And they're just like, Whoa, look at this vintage. Oh my God. You'll never see anything like this again. And then in 2016, like they re-released it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and it's the same thing with all the Amiibo as well. You know, um, the one, the very first Amiibo I ever got was actually, was we fit trainer. Oddly enough. And that was one of the yep. first ones that just kind of went crazy on the market. You're like, that's my favorite yeah. character. We fit trainer. Well, yeah. Exactly. Woo! Well, <laughs> it was just ridiculous that they even put her in there. Like, it was just amazing. Like, uh, wh- what? <laughs> like, of all the things, all the characters you could put in there. I yeah, that was the first one I found at Toys R Us. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's like, for me, that's why I like, enjoy watching you guys open them so much. Because, like, there's... You know, for the most part, like, the, the, the life cycle of a, of a car that you're going to get, it's going to sit in a in a binder or wherever it's, you're not even going to be looking at it so like it's that opening that is so special you're like oh i can't believe i got this one or look at this i've never seen it the first time or whatever that is it's like it, that moment is what it's really all about it's to me like that's the that's why you pay for it is for that moment of opening it and you're not sure what's going to come out the other end and the ritual that you guys have i don't know where that rule comes from where you just at the first three cards or four cards you, you shove to the back I don't know exactly what that's all about, but I love it. I love that there's a ritual to it. So I, I probably could have paid more attention to what the McDonald's cards were all about um, if there was something to be really looking for. But my kids and I are kind of aligned on this. Like They don't even know what to be excited for. I would let them open up packages and and um, they would take turns, almost like a, like a dodgeball team, picking cards one at a time. And there would be one, there would be like a Charmander there or like an energy ball. And they'll probably take the energy ball first. Like they don't care. <laughs> like uh, they just like, the, they just like that. It's a card and they, they have no idea like what, what makes a card good or not. And I kind of enjoy being in that space to just like enjoy the thing, which uh pretty elementary about it. But yeah, there's a, uh, there's another level to discover of it maybe later on. But right now I'm just kind of enjoying just having the thing. Cause it reminds me of, I used to collect cards, like hockey cards as a good old Canadian boy would. And there was this game called uh, Marvel Overpower, which was kind of like Magic the Gathering, but with Marvel characters. It really reminds me of that, uh, uh, of collecting those things as a kid. So um, that's kind of, that's where I'm at with this stuff, man. Yeah. And if anybody wants a chase card at McDonald's, because you just want to get heaps of junk food, I think the Hollow Pikachu is the one you're after. That's the the more rare card. That's correct. Out of the set. Um, so go and get that one. That's the, that's, that's the one I'll be stoked if I get because I'm a big Pikachu fan. Also would love a Mudkip, Trico, uh, 
Uh, oh, I definitely got Trico. Yeah. Oh, yes. See, and I, like, I don't know enough about the cards to know, like, if I, because they just, like, threw those in with all their other cards. So I don't know if I, like, can I go find them? Like, is there a way for yeah, me to go, like, these are the ones I got from McDonald's? They'll ha- they have, like, a little mark on them just on the bottom uh, right of the actual yeah, uh, look artwork. So you'll be able to tell them um, from that one. Um, I guess a bit more Pokemon news. So Pokemon Go, a new community day has been announced. So it's Eevee community day. And the difference with this one is it's actually over two days instead of just one because you'll want a lot of shiny Eevee from this. Thank God. Yes. So it's uh, Friday, August 13th. And it goes to to Monday, actually. Goes to Monday, August 16th. Uh, Cool. So, wow. Okay. Goes for a long time. Usually, There's still specific times for it too, though, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, from uh, 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. your local time. So you actually got a long time. So Sean, usually it's just a one day once a month. Uh, Pokemon is highlighted for uh, Community Day, and that Pokemon is usually um, really qu- common to find as like a shiny variant. So a lot of people like f- uh, mm. searching for shinies in this. And the thing about Eevee... Is that the, the Bidoof? Am I saying that right? Bidoof, did they do that a little while ago? Is that what I'm... Is that the same uh, thing I'm thinking the, of? It wasn't a community day, but they did like an event where they was basically made yeah. a like Bidoof day and had a bit of fun And it was that. everywhere. Yeah, mm-hmm. bloody Bidoof. He's still popping up in my game. I'm like, go away, Bidoof. I've had enough of you. <laughs> <laughs> bloody rodent. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what, what's, uh, what's exciting about Eevee is Eevee has a lot of different evolutions. So you'll be able to get a lot of um, shiny Pokemon from this. So, and they all also have their own unique moves if you evolve them during this time. So, Vaporeon will have Scold, Jolteon will get Zap Cannon, Flareon will get Superpower, Espeon will get Shadow Ball, Umbreon will get Psychic, Uh, Leafeon will get Bullet Seed, Glaceon will get Water Pulse, and Sylveon will get Psy Shock. And there's a few more bonuses in that you'll be able to check out if you're into Pokemon Go and you can um, check out in the app. But, Sean, have you ever checked out Community Day? Are you keen to go out there and get some shiny Pokemon? Have you ever gotten to the shiny hunting side of the game? Do you know what the hell I'm no, on about? <laughs> I, I do know. I do know. the. I, I've watched, actually, a couple people hunt for shinies in various Pokemon games and do the the like the re- the quick reset and trying to go back into the same area and all that kind of stuff yeah, and yeah. counting how many times they got to do it like that is just like mind-boggling if it has anything if it if it even approaches that in pokemon go i am not interested at all i will no, just I'll, I'll get whatever whatever happens um but no i feel like again like this is me just kind of getting into it um we're gonna go hunting for pokemon tomorrow with the kids and they're just they're loving it we're gonna go for a walk get out of the house and um I mean, it's funny that they announced it so far in advance. That feels like it's it's forever in the future, but I'll have to set a reminder for myself so I actually get up and get out there. But honestly, like I'm, I'm playing Pokemon Go as basic as I'm as I am with the game. I'm playing. I'm I'm opening the app and doing things on it pretty much every day. And um, to be honest with you, Drew, I wanted to bring it up. Like, if you could go ahead and reciprocate those gifts, like actually every single day, because I'm I'm just waiting for you to, oh, to send something back. Sorry, I, I appreciate it. If you could, you know, I'm 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 just waiting, just. Crying and disappointment. I, Where's my I, I just, gift? Like, well, you, mm-hmm. you'd I be crying you three times the amount if you're my just, friend because I never send them. I just <laughs> hope that it arrived. Like I don't even know if you got it. You know, little note back saying thanks for the gift. Also, here's something back. We could attach a little sticker to it. Just think what you. Which I'll, I'll be curious to know which one you, you choose for me. Come on, Drew. Oh God. 
I'm sorry, you man. You do it right now if you wanted. I, I just I don't have the gifts, man. I just I haven't been going to the post. You stops, have the so gifts. I've got Get the, out of here. I, Look, got, I, I can't hold enough gifts, Sean. I'm just oh, I'm sorry about it, man. I just opened up the app and a, and a Pikachu just poofed away from my front yard, apparently. He's gone. Oh, no. So I'm just disappointed. Could have had him. Hey, what do I do with like, okay, so there's a whole bunch of different Pokemon that I've, or a bunch of Pikachu in particular. I've got the, the he's got balloons with a five on him. There's another guy with like a, like that. He looks like he's, he's either an incognito. I don't even know why he's got like a, like a cool hat and sunglasses on. Um, another one had like a witch's hat on. Should I be keeping these things? Like, is there any, like, should I be doing anything with these special event Pikachus that yeah. I've got? I guess the idea is just to collect them so then you've got it because supposedly these things won't be coming back. There's always Pokemon right. different costumes. I think at the moment they're doing it for the 25th year anniversary so the Pikachu has balloons and 25 um, on it somewhere. So that's the idea of it. But if you don't care about collecting, all they're doing is taking up room in your, uh, I guess, your boxes there. So yeah, it's up to you. Like, you know, you've got it. It's not like you're going to be able yeah, to. The balloon guy is pretty cute. I like that a lot. Yeah. I think there has anyway. been a balloon Pikachu before, but it hasn't had the twenty-five on it. So I don't Why get it at just a five. I think it's the five fifth year for um, Pokemon Go. Oh, po- oh, I that's what it's celebrating. celebrating. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, because I that. I don't pay too much attention. I like I like uh, transferring my Pokemon back into Pokemon Home, so I can use them in the mainline games. But like these special costume mm. ones, they can't be moved because they're just they're just made for Pokemon Go. So I don't get so much into it as the collecting aspect. But yeah. Yep, currently sitting at 340 of 350 Pokemon that I can carry right now. But uh, don't try and get away from the point of all this, which was the gifts. So <laughs> off the go, you send it. that. You send that back. I've got my iPad here. I'll, I'll go into it right now and uh, get it to you. Just did a great curveball throw to Pikachu. Just reappeared. So I'll just. Hopefully, you guys are okay with me playing Pokemon Go while we. Oh, we're fine. Oh, podcast. Because apparently that's what I'm doing right now. You're more than welcome to play it. Just don't get up and walk to a gym somewhere. Otherwise, we won't be able to talk to you anymore well unless you get yeah, the car not. unless you get in the car and we make this to have should've some drive or some something like that yeah we should have done that <laughs> <laughs> all right so let's move on this is just uh it's, it's kind of interesting a bit of perspective but uh analytics firm believes that nintendo switch family of systems will sell 155 million units by the end of 2025 and i'll read it from my nintendo news just so i don't miss anything but Piers Harding Rolls, an analyst at Empire Analysts, said that the company believes that Nintendo Switch family of systems will shift over 55 million units by the end of 2025. The company expects the recently announced Nintendo Switch OLED model to sell roughly 5, min- 5 million units by the end of 2021. The Nintendo Switch OLED model will be released on the 8th of October. Uh, Piers Harding Rolls expects that the newer model will slowly replace the current Switch and doesn't believe that Nintendo will release a slightly more powerful Pro system. He thinks that the Kyoto-based company will hold off their release for a much more powerful next-generation platform sometime in 2024. Quote, improving the flagship version of the Nintendo Switch will add further momentum to the platform and freshen it up for the next few years of the cycle, he says. The small small price uh, differential compared to the current flagship means that many later adopters that were eyeing the Switch will now opt for the OLED model. Um, Going on to another quote. I think that these mainstream adopters will be tipped into action by the bigger screen. It's proved uh, legibility with the better audio in the 
in the context of in-person social play. It will also prompt some existing Switch users to upgrade, particularly those that use Switch a lot in handheld mode and those that have original Switch before the battery improvements. So the uh, the quote's going like that. We already know a lot of the stuff about the Switch Pro. Oh, sorry, not the Switch Pro, the Switch OLED. God forbid, God forbid we got a Switch Pro. But I, I guess the, the interesting idea is, is that 55, 155 million is a bloody lot. That will be one of the mm. most, one of the best selling systems ever, ever released. Uh, I can't remember exactly what the PS2 is, but this might even be a couple of million units over the PS2 if this uh, did come true and they sell this much. I think it's going to be pretty obvious that they are going to outsell the Wii. The Wii is at 101 million units. I think they're going to approach that, if not just become very close by the end of the year, by the time these Pokemon games come out and a lot of these big heavy hitters, especially with the Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild 2, that might capture some more people. So it's going to be interesting, just like these lofty figures. I I would never expect the Switch to get this far, but who knows? Nintendo's just had an unreal last year and sort of the interest for the Switch just keeps on growing. Um, But yeah, I would love to see the, the Switch become one of the more uh it beat the ds even like that'll be nuts especially at the price point and everything it has but what do you reckon at this lofty sort of uh prediction sean well i mean like how how much longer can they run with the current configuration is one of my questions and then the second Mm. question it's sort of like related that i've realized once once we realize what the oled model was and it's not a you know, a next generation version of it is, I guess I'm a little bit concerned with just Nintendo's approach to backwards or forwards compatibility or whatever you want to call it. Like I don't, we're all asking for this more powerful system, but I don't know if there's really a precedent in the past that makes us feel like that they will connect to one another. And I don't see them doing their their homework or setting the foundation for that to be the case, which was really a lot of what you saw with Xbox to say like, you, you knew the next generation was coming when Xbox One was there and they, you knew what they were building towards. They were doing a lot of the stuff. And then they jumped to the next generation. And if you're on Xbox, like you had a really good experience going from one generation to the next. But if you're on PlayStation, you're kind of having a pain in the ass of experience. Mm-hmm. And I don't expect that Nintendo would be any better than oh. PlayStation when we oh, go God from no. one generation to another one. Even if it's still called Switch, I think that you're going to have um, kind of a major issue the, maybe the closest thing would actually be what Game Boy did uh, throughout its iterations, and maybe at, at the very least games would would play, like older games, maybe like they still kind of... Because you could still put um, like a Game Boy cartridge in an advance, whether it was the SP or not. Uh, mm-hmm. Those still would actually work out. But I don't... I just... Uh, I, don't, I don't know. Um, maybe that's... If I could go... If I could see them doing that, then maybe I could be on board with what, what pe- everybody is asking for, which is a more powerful Switch. Um... But for whatever reason, it just seems like this is just working for them. I think it's the the, the compatibility or the um, adaptability of it going from you can bring it on the go or you can plug it into the TV, as well as the price point, as you mentioned. So it allows parents to buy one for themselves and for their kids. I think that's part of the reason why this is so popular is it just hits both like demographics or um, generations even mm. better than any other Nintendo console ever, I would say. It's probably the biggest thing. Like, Moms and dads are buying it, and they're buying a couple for their kids as well. Um, I do feel like the OLED model is, that's what it's really going to do. It's not necessarily, at least for me, it's not its not a big upgrade. And 
kind of contradicts itself in a strange way, or at least for me, because I all the hand all the upgrades for it are when you play in handheld mode. But I already have my Switch Lite, so I'd actually like to see it there. But what I think is going to happen is parents will buy that for themselves, and they'll give the hand-me-downs to their kids. I think that'll be a, a huge reason why this 155 million might be possible. Um, but it's just unprecedented. Like that's just it. But so are the sales for the Switch. You have these sure. brand new consoles coming out from PlayStation and Xbox, and sure, uh, supply is constrained on that front, but they're still selling faster than the last generation. So it's almost like that argument doesn't really even hold any water at this point. And still, Switches outselling everything. It's four-year-old tech or even lo- older than that at this point. But I, what I worry about is this: this counts on a tail of the of the sales, like a like a like a chart. Like it really means that they're, they're going to continue selling at a really really high rate. What I worry about is that at some point it seems like you know the the rug is going to be pulled out from Nintendo, where a lot of the games are just going to be moving to either PC or to the other consoles because they're just not going to run on on the Switch. I, and I just don't have the crystal ball for that part of the equation to go. Okay, how much longer can they expect? all the third-party support to, to continue. They started the generation basically just saying that they're not going to be able to get... They didn't really say it, but the other you know publisher said EA is not really there. Um, I don't know if we're going to talk about Activision, but uh, like Call of Duties, a lot of those kind of like the big games, Destiny, a lot of those games aren't really there. A lot of uh, the big games from Ubisoft aren't really there. So I think it'll just be interesting to see like what is the cadence of game releases going to be like. And... It's, is it going to be like the Wii where once those companies moved on, once those developers moved on to the more powerful systems, you're kind of left with shovelware, which left people, when people think about the, the Wii, they're left thinking about the final years, which were kind of shit, you yeah, know, and it, yeah. which sucks because like there was a lot of really great games there, a lot of really good experiences. People, I think, genuinely had a really joyful time with their Wii, but when they think back on it, they think that it sucked. And I worry about that with the, um, with the, with the Switch a little bit as as the more powerful stuff kind of comes in here. I guess just with like the third party games, it's not so much of a concern because when it comes to like say Doom or Doom Eternal from Bethesda or even The Witcher, like I feel bad saying this because I want the third party support, but I've got no interest in really playing those games on Switch. Maybe, maybe, maybe this is why I wanted the more pro version because I would be interested in playing some of those titles on Switch if it had a bit more horsepower, but um, the reality is, but just, what about like Monster doesn't. Hunter? You're, you're right. But like, mm. what about Monster Hunter? What if they were yeah. to move on to, to something else? Like, yeah, it's not necessarily like the cross platform stuff that has to be on everything. And also mm-hmm. Nintendo, it's actually, there's, there's a lot of, there's Definitely. a lot of third party stuff that is exclusive that maybe that goes away. I'm not sure, but the more these systems they sell, the more case there is actually for them to continue supporting it. Even if it is a, actually makes even more sense for them to just make it exclusive rather than, kind of create a, a water day of something that exists somewhere else. Mm. Yeah, no, you're definitely right there because like Capcom have been one of Nintendo's biggest partners this year. Like, uh, yeah, Nintendo actually like behind the scenes for the PR stuff, Nintendo were handling like most of the Monster Hunter Rise sort of marketing stuff. It wasn't actually Capcom, mm-hmm. at least here in Australia. Like if we wanted to get more information about it, we'll contact Nintendo, not Capcom. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, which was really weird. So they kind of brought it on as their own game in their marketing and stuff. So uh, if it wasn't for them, there would have been just sort of nothing in March. It would have just been like Mario um, 3D, uh, 3D World uh, the, the uh, month before. 
So, yeah. Yeah. No, there's. I just can't help but think about like the, the Wii U days, you know, and again, mm-hmm. we were podcasting every week about Nintendo back in those days. And the argument that was just so tired was like, when is Nintendo going to get some third party support? So I can't help but at least try to remember that. Now, the one, the huge difference now with the Switch versus the Wii U days and the 3DS days was that it's just the Switch now. Like, that was one of the things that we got really excited about by this notion that they were only going to have the one platform to really work on is now they have all these studios that were split. Some were making games for the Wii U and some were making games for the 3DS. Now they're all making games for the Switch. So maybe the third-party support isn't actually as required as we would have thought back in those days because maybe they have enough studios to make enough games for the Switch that there really won't be a drought like we had all the time on the on the Wii U. Mm. And you have a... Yeah, a lot of games happen on the 3DS, but they were 3DS games. So some people look at that and go, "Why would I want to? Why would I want to play like Ever Oasis with all these chibi characters? I want to go play something fancy with you know really really advanced hardware and stuff." So it's a, it's a different. There's no. There's nothing. There's there's never been quite a time in Nintendo's history where they've been in this position because they they've always had the home console and the and the portable. And now it's just combined. So maybe maybe that's in and of itself the reason why 155 million is possible it, could you imagine though just if they do hit 155 million eventually even like 130 or something like what a comeback from the way you oh like, yeah it's already like one of the biggest comebacks ever made <laughs> by a gaming yeah. company maybe you could say sony with the playstation 3 within the one console generation how they just rebounded mm-hmm. so strong but from the wii u it was like like the switch was make or break and they just come back and just absolutely smashed it. And now that they've got a bit more cocky, there are a few sort of issues. We're sort of like, hmm, just, you know, keep thinking about the consumer and make some great games, please. And fix some of the the stuff, which is online and that. But I, I don't know about you, Sean, but I've sort of come to the conclusion, like if you want a good online experience, just don't get a Nintendo console. You know, it's, it's, not gonna, it's, it's 2021. We're talking yeah. about this back in 2009, you know, Please improve your online compared to Xbox mm-hmm. Live and stuff. It's just not going to happen. Hate, I hate to tell anyone who's like sort of like, I really want a good friends list and be able to just invite people really easy. And, you know, Switch does that to some extent, has a friends list but has no messaging. And um, the the phone app is just kind of, it's actually kind of embarrassing really, just like mm-hmm. what they're doing with that. Because I think it's a good alternative, but it, it needs to have mm. it built into the system as well. But well, and that's just it. We, and we all know what we're getting with the Switch. Like, if they were to jump to a pro model, then there's expectations. You know what I mean? Like, at, at this, like they're they're basically saying when when another generation comes out, it's like this is going to be a generation better than the last one. But if they just keep with the Switch, then they don't really have that expectation that they're going to just revamp everything. It's just going to be more of what you've gotten, and that is working for them. But if they if they kind of halt and create a gap where there's another generation of consoles and it's just a, a big spotlight, a big reason for people to make, to have expectations that frankly, Nintendo probably isn't capable of fulfilling, to be honest with you. And really not even interested. It just doesn't, these things don't seem to matter in Nintendo world. They, they just focus on everything else. That story has been well told at this point, but yeah, if they, if they come up with a new generation, I actually think it's more risky to them than a benefit to, to anybody else. Cause they'd have to convince us that, that it's going to be worth the extra cost. That's already been a thing with the with the OLED model. You see how loud people are, and then they buy it anyways. But yeah, I think um, this notion of generations, which we've been used to in in consoles, it can make or break um, 
a brand. Look what it did. Look what it did with the Wii U. Could have broken Nintendo from that front. Look what it did with the going from the 360 to the Xbox One. Like it's that <laughs> jump from one generation to the next where you kind of have to create something new rather than having the continuity. That continuity is so much more sustainable. And that's why I think Switches or Nintendo is maybe a little bit hesitant. Like I don't blame them at all. No. Like I said, but I just don't understand like when when is too long with this uh, with this hardware is really the big question. Hey, Bryce, what do you think about uh, the Switch potentially reaching this March? Can you see that happening by 2025 or the next system? Uh, hang on. I'm, oh, I was I'm hoping the for the goose. Something. I was hoping for the goose sound to, to come on in. <laughs> <laughs> Bryce, what do you think? I think he said hold on or something. He's uh, busy, busy. It's all good, man. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll move on to that, to the next news story anyway. Um, so this is just a FYI for people that uh, Nintendo has announced that uh, 3DS and Wii U eShops will no longer accept direct payments. So uh, early next year, they'll be turned off. You can no longer go on and make a direct uh, payment to your wallet to buy a game. But um, it's it's not so, so much a big deal. You can still go on your Switch, put stuff in your wallet, then pick up your 3DS or Wii U and buy the the uh, sort of uh, buy it from there. So it's not too bad. There will be a workaround. It just won't be able to do it directly through the 3DS. That's just basically a... FYI for people out there that are still buying virtual console games because God forbid you can't get them on the Switch. You can still get them there. So um, yeah, I really want a better virtual console on Switch, but let's not get into that. We've been talking about that for a while. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, sort of last but not least on the uh, news docket here, um, there's been a giga leak for early Wiimote designs um, that they had before they release the Wii and it's a uh, pretty interesting it's like uh, they had like different configurations for the Wiimote had the D-pad at the bottom in some instances had like a bit of a click wheel kind of like what they had on the iPod at the top as well there's like a lot of uh, sort of different iterations of it and I'll read this from Nintendo Enthusiast and the article reads last year the so-called Nintendo Giga Leak was leaked uh, leaked and almost imaginable amount of Nintendo source code and documentation for various hardware and software projects spanning decades. It was so much information that new discoveries are being made um, and uh, privationists pre- uh, pre- like, <laughs> I don't know why I struggle to say that so much, uh, like Forest of Illusion or software engineer uh, Luigi Blood are keeping tabs on the highlights. Today, among other things, Forest of Illusion noted that the discovery of early designs for the Wiimote and the Wii, uh, Wii Remote were apparently discovered from internal Nintendo emails containing in the contained in the GigaLeak. As you'll see, the Wiimote looked quite a bit different in these early designs. Um, uh, for the convenience of the comparison, we've put a oh yeah, put together the thing. Um, so I'm looking at this, Sean. Sean, I know you can't see it, and the listeners can't see it. But uh, it's just interesting how Nintendo was sort of experimenting with the the use of this Wiimote. Uh, it's a lot shorter than what the Wiimote turned out to be because in these sort of uh, these concepts, there was no speaker in the middle, which was a, a feature mm. that was utilized a little bit in the Wiimote. You can hear in like Twilight Princess, your sword clashing. And uh, yeah. w- one of my favorite ones was WarioWare Smooth Moves where there's a mini game where you put the Wiimote down and you pick it up and put it up like a telephone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's always a different voice like "hello." <laughs> it, was always, it was always so funny. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, it's it's interesting because like on some of these designs, the D pad is at the bottom, and like right. a, a lot of the use for the Wii Mote was putting it sideways and using it as like mm-hmm. an NES controller. So if they went for those early designs, it would have been nowhere near as versatile to use. 
So yeah. didn't it, it like blew my mind the first time it said like turn it sideways. I'm like, oh my god, this is an NES controller. Like this is so genius. Of course, yeah, it's really smart. But yeah, I mean, I'd I'd love to know. Like, I mean, I'm sure that's even just like scratching the surface on on all the different things they would have been exploring when it when it came to the Wii. All the different ways they could have um, they could have rolled that out. And what they ended up giving us was was very simple. And you don't get to simple without starting with something a lot more convoluted and kind of trimming down to what the what the real essence of it really is. So I love th- I love this, but I would also like to see like what else was there? What other what other options? Like this is the same company that had the N sixty four controller. You know what I mean? So it's, this isn't really all that surprising <laughs> to me that they had some wacky ideas uh, before they rolled out the real thing. Hmm. And like you can see, like also like different ideas for like the A button in the middle. Um, originally that was the B button and there was also a left and a right button um, just right next to that B button. And also mm. instead of the one and two buttons, there was uh, X and Y buttons to be oh, yeah. like to play off like, you know, the more standard um, naming conventions for the buttons. So I guess like in in the end, it, it turned out to be like a lot more basic than this like just concophony of just buttons over this TV remote. That's what it looks like sort of looking at this. It had to be simple for the mm. Wii to be as successful as it was. It was very, very simple. You looked at it and you weren't overwhelmed by that control scheme at all, really. Mm. Yeah, and just like even the buttons being one and two at the bottom, it just made it really easy to say, hey, grandma, hit the one button or hit the hit the button, like the A button. It's right there. You can't miss it for goodness sakes. That is where your fun is. Mm. If you miss that, you can get out of my house and not play bowling because <laughs> Jesus Christ, what is a... Like, you know, I, I can put up with a bit of casual gaming here, but, you know, but, you know, you got to understand that that is the button you got to hit, Grandma. <laughs> Just really, really, get, really rip into it. Getting real angry at Grandma over there. <laughs> I feel bad for her. Yeah, no, you shouldn't get for too God angry sakes, at Grandma. God's sakes, Grandma. God damn it, Grandma. <sighs> Bye, Grandma. All right. So that's all the news, guys. Let's get into some House of Mario Red Coin releases. And then we're going to go into Reggie's Rec Room and uh, talk about Sean's gaming journey. Some of his gaming history, some of his favorite games, and how he got to where he is today as one of the bloody best podcasters in the industry. Tell you what. So let me find this button here. Always forget which one it is. God forbid. Do you think I'll learn by now? Ooh, there it is. Oh, so we've got three games I've lined up today. Two are serious ones, and the other one I just got because it's a silly name. Because there's, it's been a pretty quiet week apart from these two titles. So the first one is Pokemon Unite. Uh, Bryce and I played the other night. I had fun with it. We sort of rolled in, rolled into some balancing issues, didn't we, Bryce? Uh, yeah, there's a lot of them. Mm-hmm. But we're hoping it's going to be updated. We're going to be talking about that more as time goes along because it's a, it's a nice, fun online MOBA. Bryce, uh, Bryce loves his MOBAs, don't you, mate? Um. I mean, there was a reason I didn't want to pick up another one, but unfortunately, I'm getting invested. I don't know if you watched the video that I sent you earlier. Uh, I did start watching it, yep. Yeah. Did you watch where I told you to watch from? Yep, 10, yep, 10 minutes you told me to go into. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's fucking ridiculous. Uh, mm. Anyway, I won't go that. Yeah, okay. Uh, the next one is Chris Tales. This is one I'm really looking forward to. Um, I'm actually playing it. Oh, I haven't started yet. I'm going to be playing on Xbox because it's a part of Xbox Game Pass. 
Um, but it's it's just a, a beautiful JRPG inspired game. So the little bit of a synopsis here is experience the past, present, and future uh, simu- simultaneously in this gorgeous indie love letter to classic JRPGs. Discover a unique combination of branching stories, innovative combat, and classic RPG gameplay in Chris Tiles' exciting and unforgettable exploration of how our actions echo through time. That's a long sentence. Bloody hell. They didn't write that. Um, thinking about someone reading that on a podcast. Jesus Christ. Uh, join the newly awakened time mage, Chris Bell, and her fantastical companions in a, a fantasy world facing a grim future. A powerful time empress and her forces threaten to bring about a cataclysm tearing apart the Chris Tales and other four kingdoms of the region. So that's $70 Australian on the eShop. Go and check it out or fire up Game Pass. That's a nice little uh, bargain there. Bloody hell. It's a, like when I saw it, it was 70 bucks. It's on Game Pass. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I think I'll play it there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the last one is uh, something random I just pulled up. It's called uh, Dynaho uh, Space Adventure. It launched... At a ninety ninety percent off, yeah. So so from fifteen dollars down to a dollar fifty, and Ooh. like it's a, I don't, I don't know. So you I'm, grab my switch late over here. Check this thing out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in one of the daily observations, Donaho sees an imminent like threat on a planet within his system, uh, taken by a mixture of. Uh, uh, Eurofra and Concern, Dinoho jumps into his ship without thinking twice, uh, takes off towards what may be the most dangerous and heroic adventure. Uh, the features, challenge, challenging adventure full of shots and obstacles, collect coins and upgrade your ship, uh, three different worlds with one boss fight each, uh, 40 plus enemies and obstacles. So yeah, I think just the 40 plus enemies and obstacles, That that is the dot point that gets you just straight off the bat. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I always wonder who, who's, who's looking at that going, well, good. That's as many as I wanted. If you said 30, wouldn't have been enough. Yeah. But 40, that's that sounds like a good deal to me. And not that you'd get it from the uh, just um, synopsis there, but it looks like a, a shmup. So it's uh, like you're in your ship and you're, you're shooting stuff. And for a dollar fifty, You bury the lead. That's all I needed to hear for a dollar fifty shmup. That's actually, that's a, yeah, I'm in for that. And like the actual art, art design looks okay. It looks nice and colorful and nice pixel art. So for a dollar fifty, I think. Um, whenever- I also like the strategy of that. Like that. What, what mm. was the original price? Was there what's the regular price for that? Fifteen bucks down to a dollar fifty yeah, launch. I, I like it. So, it, but if it was if it just came out, it's like this game is a dollar fifty. I'd be like, no, I don't think so. But a ninety percent off, dollar mm, fifty seems like a very valuable game. Yeah, it worked on me. Might so, have to check that out. I mean, I already have too many games as it is, so... Definitely, I do too. Why not add this to the list? So, yeah, go and check out Donaho with uh, Space Adventure, if that if you're interested in that. I so, might be. So, Sean, are you a bit nervous? We're going to Reggie's rec room. How, how do you feel that's... How do you feel um, the presence of Reggie's going to feel, you reckon? My body is ready. Your body's ready. Well, that's all I need to hear, mate. Let's get into it. Hi, Nintendo fans. Reggie here. Thank you for your never-ending support, for giving me a mushroom kingdom full of incredible memories that I will never forget. Ever. Oh, well, it's really nice to bring you in here, the Reggie's Rec Room. We can finally introduce you to Reggie. 
Uh, Reggie, this is uh, Sean Capri. You might recognise him from the Xbox, Xbox Drive, the Nintendo Drive, We the Gamer Cast. I'm sure you've listened to him, like, for goodness sakes. Um, Reggie Fizeme, but Sean, I brought you in here. It's a nice environment to have a bit of a drink and just talk about your gaming history. Doesn't have to be like you know too too scary or anything. Don't have to go into your most darkest memories. And once the show finishes, you can't sleep for the night. But just uh, you know, what what got you into gaming? What made you so obsessed about it that you know you're talking into a, into a microphone to two bloody Australian boys? So, Sean, where, where did the where did it all start? I'm curious, like, what could possibly bring up nightmares? Like, I'm not sure, like, how old do you think I am? Or, or like, what Canada is quite like? I'm not sure where that is based on. But, um, yeah, hopefully, hopefully agree. I, hopefully I don't go into anything too terribly dark. Um, but even just to answer, like, that last bit of, like, what made me so obsessive about it so that I'm going to talk about it. I think, I think part of it is that, that we really couldn't have them growing up. Like there, my uh, we had four four kids in the family, and really only my dad worked. My mom was a stay at home mom, taking care of all of us. And um, you know, for they they, they kind of said for many reasons we couldn't have a console, but I think like primarily is probably just money. Um, the neighbors had it, so why spend any money on it when they could ship us all over there and mooch off of their games? Mm. Uh, so I think that was part of it was just like seeing everybody else have it, like and seemingly like unlimited access to it. And, like anytime you got it, you're just like. Anytime I, I I got access to a Nintendo or anything, it just seemed like I never wanted to leave. I just wanted to stay there. And anybody who had it just seemed like they were so lucky to to have a Nintendo or Super Nintendo. We would call it a Super, by the way. Uh, a lot of there's a lot of like SNES and SNES or whatever. Like there's, we would just call it the Super, which was um which kind of interesting. So so for me, like gaming started on PC. Actually, I actually I have a very weird but vivid memory of my dad bringing home our old computer back in would have been like early, early nineties with the old old printer. You had the tear off things on the side and that made all the noise, the dot matrix printer and everything. And we had the first game we played was Pac-Man on that thing. Uh, Just a terrible PC port of the Atari port of of Pac-Man, just an absolutely atrocious game. It looks rough. Um, But we didn't care. It was really, it was really awful. And that's, but we got used to that on PC. Like we had, we had a lot of brutal, brutal ports. There's a a classic version of Mega Man on DOS, which is really terrible. There's a, um, there's a version of Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter that we had on there as well. Um, But then we had ended up getting into you know, strategy, real-time strategy games on, on PC back then, which was a real hallmark and mainstay for us. Warcraft, Starcraft, those types of Command & Conquer and things like that. Um, but somewhere along the line, you know, in addition to being into the actual NES games and Super Nintendo games at, at friends' houses, um, I had saved up some money because my, my, my parents realized that they weren't going to be paying for our college, and at a certain point, they wanted us to start saving up for our own <laughs> education, so they, they made us all get a, a flyer delivered. Like, we were paper boys growing up, starting, in, I think I was eight years old when I started wow. doing that. And yep. every paycheck we got, half of it would go into, uh, into an education fund, and then half of it we would actually get to keep. So between either that and, um, and just collecting money for birthdays and things like that, I bought my own Game Boy, and I got the green Game Boy with the yellow cartridge of Donkey Kong Land. And that was really the first thing that I had really bought with my own money. And it's like, that's where that's where things really started to take off for me, especially with, with Nintendo and creating a catalog of games, like a collection of cartridges that, I don't know, for whatever reason, just really feels special to me. I can just kind of remember just having like the, the remember the cases that Game Boy games came in? Like they were really just 
there's nothing, they're not very fancy, but I just loved having this like box full of cartridges and trying to keep, um, take care of those things. Land was like my, it was very personal experience for me. And Mario, Super Mario Land 2, Six Golden Coins, very personal as well because it was just me and my Game Boy and we would go on road trips and, um, Especially in Canada, maybe it's the same for you as well. Like, uh, there's just land. <laughs> like, there was everybody is so Certainly spread is. apart. So if you go anywhere, you're you're in for a bit of a ride. So, yeah, I, I think um, it's weird that Game Boy was so special to me and Pokemon was not really there because it's just so central for so many people. But it was everything else: Kirby's Dream Land two and Donkey Kong Land, like I said, and all those games. Um, NBA Jam Tournament Edition on on Game Boy was was really special for me, and that's kind of where. Yeah, like my my formative years kind of growing up was with a lot of AA batteries and a screen I could barely see and a lot of Tetris and things like that. It was It was really kind of started with, with Game Boy, I think, until kind of getting a little bit older later on. Mm. Yeah, because I, I just got in with the Game Boy Advance, so I just... Oh, sorry, Game Boy Advance SP. So I just missed yeah. that, that like AA battery all the time <laughs> rotating mm-hmm. and just like... It, just think about how wasteful it'd be, because like as a kid, you go through batteries so quick. So just like imagine, just oh, yeah. a, just a, a bag full of just batteries that are dead. You can imagine how that's not great for the environment these days. But terrible, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely terrible. But at least better than maybe the Game Gear. Uh, so maybe we had that going for us. And but for me too, the other thing about the Game Boy that I loved was just that the the games themselves were affordable to me. Like we just we did not have a lot of money growing up. Like I said, there was four of us. Um, and I often joke that like, we didn't have furniture for many years <laughs> growing up. Like we'd watch TV on like boxes basically. Mm. So, you know, it really wasn't an option for us to have, um, like a super, like, cause they were, you know, these were, these systems were hundreds of dollars and, and there was a bunch of kids. So you'd have to get all the controllers and even the, the, the thought I think of us sharing it was probably a bit daunting of the four kids and all the fights that could have happened. So my parents just kind of avoided that. But with the game boy, like, I, I always appreciated looking at whatever it was in NES or Super Nintendo games that were very expensive, and then I could just pick up a forty dollar, whatever game on on Game Boy, and that was something that I could actually work into my into my lifetime. And I got to grow up through the like all the iterations of Game Boy, which I have a lot of nostalgia for, like like when the color came out, and and even like there was a like that you could play Game Boy games on your Super Nintendo. I think it was, I can't, oh, it was it Super Game Boy or something? There was, it was called something. Really, really cool adapter that you could throw into there. And I had a lot of memories with that as well. When bringing my Game Boy games over to a friend's house and play my games on his Super Nintendo, which was kind of fun back then. So, yeah, man. Did you continue on sort of the handheld route as you were going through the systems? Or did you have a bit of a drop-off before you went? Yeah, to- definitely a drop-off. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I, I, but I picked up kind of where you got into it, which was the which was the SP. It was just like just an absolutely perfect system. You know, if you had one, you you know it. Um, yeah, just it's it, it felt like I had like a like a Super Nintendo. Like I feel like the Mario Kart game on um, I can't remember what it was called now on the on the Ma- SP. Yeah, Mario Kart Super Circuit. Super Circuit. Yeah, yeah. Um, that felt like. It kind of like how Switch happens now. Like I remember playing my my SP and going like I cannot believe this is a handheld. You know, and that's how I feel. Like that was the same feeling a lot of us got when we played Breath of the Wild on the go. And it's like I can't believe this is a tablet. I can't believe this is this is a, um, basically a console experience. That's what I what I remember from from the SP days for sure. When, when you went over to like your your friends' houses and uh, played them consoles, like that that is pretty much the the experience I had with console gaming and. 
like friends, mm-hmm. uh, Nintendo sixty fours and PlayStation twos. That was that was like the prominent thing at the time. No one had a GameCube except for like this one friend who like I didn't see yeah. all that much. But yeah, it was that was. <laughs> that, oh, you, you yeah, oh, yeah, you did, but you had a GameCube pretty later on. True. Yeah, yeah. That, that's just why I'm saying that because that was like years after. That was like it was almost that. It was like almost Wii days, wasn't it? When you got that GameCube, I had the Wii. No, it was actually it was before the Wii. Definitely before was, the Wii. It was before the Wii, was it? Yeah, because I, I remember going to your house, Bryce, and playing um the Mario Party games, and I think you, you got Twilight Princess on GameCube, didn't you? Initially, no, I didn't. No, oh, you didn't. No, no. I'm thinking of something else then. Don't know. Don't know. Yeah. So, like, what's this? Like, you went over and played like uh, Super Nintendo and stuff at your friends' places. What kind of games? Yeah, yeah. Like, what kind of games did you get into over there? Because for oh me, it was it was always like Mario sixty four. I go to like my friend Adam's place. I'm like, can we go and play Mario sixty four? <laughs> and I'll play like the whole thing just at his place. Just, I just I love that game so much. And um, I could I, I could imagine for you as a kid, like, can we just play Mario World or something like that? <laughs> Pretty much. Well, like we were really obsessed with um, with Street Fighter two. Like that was Ooh. if I th- if I yeah. really think about it, it was it was a lot of um, like the early nineties were like that was the that was the those were the days of the fighting games of everything coming over from arcades uh, in a really good version of them that you could play at home. So um, Street Fighter 2 on, and all of the different Street Fighter 2s that came out, this Championship Edition and all the different, like Turbo, blah, blah, blah. There's so many different ones that came out. Um, those are the ones that were like kind of, you'd have like sleepovers with friends for birthday parties and stuff. And it was kind of king of the hill, like winner goes on kind of thing. You, you'd win a match. And if you uh, if you lost, it was devastating because you knew that, there's 10 kids around here and they all have to play before you can you can get back to it. So in the Super Nintendo days, like, yeah, when we were playing multiplayer stuff, um, we, we tended to do that. Like, it wasn't actually a lot of Mario World because that was, like, one pl- one person could play or you, you could go back and forth, I guess. But it was a lot of um, simultaneous kind of multiplayer like that. Um, with the 64, though, it was, like, obviously GoldenEye and... I, I have such great memories of playing uh, Mario Kart 64, of course, but Star Fox 64 with its like two multiplayer maps and one of them was trash. Like we, but we still played that for hours and hours and hours, day in, day out. It didn't, it didn't matter. We just, we had such a good time playing those games. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, I feel like a lot of people have kind of similar experiences when it comes to that. But when you think back on it, it is, it is very special. I, I can almost like smell the room that I'm in and the, just the excitement that back in those days, like you just didn't even know you called the house. You know, I don't know what kids do to, to get together now, but like we called the house and I just hoped that my neighbor, neighbor Matt was home and that just like yesterday, he wasn't doing anything today so that we could just go race over. We had it down to like 19 seconds from hanging up the phone, racing out the door and then arriving at the next door oh to just <laughs> pick it back up again. We were just, we just loved it. And they liked hosting us as well, and part of it was just just hanging out and having sweet hangs with friends back then. But uh, they just seemed to have every game, honestly. Like it seemed like they had all the all the biggest releases, and as they just ended up getting all the different consoles, uh, even to the point where we were playing like um, Twisted Metal and things like that on on PlayStation. As as those games kind of came out, it was all through really through my neighbor until eventually we picked up a, a Dreamcast was the, was the first console my brother and I split money on and we shared that one. And I think a year after that, we got our, got the original Xbox and kind of had our, our, our own kind of way of going about things at the homestead. But yeah, over, over there, it was kind of 
pretty pretty typical, I would say, is probably a lot of people in those days playing Super Nintendo and 64 with each other. Never really, never got into GameCube really at all. So when the Wii came out and everybody was like, oh, it's basically a GameCube, I'm like, great, I didn't have one. So yeah. didn't care that um, Mario Strikers was basically the same game or a lot of things kind of carried. Resident Evil well, it was brand new to me on the Wii, even though a lot of those things kind of carried over. So yeah, that was a that was a big revival for me as I still remember picking up the Wii controller. We we remote for the first time going like this actually works and it is so smooth and making my own me was super fun and even just typing in like text. It's like that was the best. The little clicky sound that the hand makes as it kind of goes over the keys and clicking in the clicking in your information. That was it's still the best way I feel like to to enter an information versus any virtual keyboard is the was the Wii days. Yeah, I always enjoy typing on the Wii off. It was fun and just like that, mm-hmm. the vibration in the controller as it goes across all the letters and that. Like, yeah, like a, yeah, it feels really nice. Or even shopping, like even the even the Wii Shop channel was was just really fun to kind of browse through. It's just had a it's it was such a it's just too bad that you know motion controls just got such a bad rap because that really was like a really interesting way to interact with games. But they, you can never really go back. You know, they just it almost like they overdid it. Almost kind of like. Like Guitar Hero in those days. By the way, like part of my gaming history, huge part of my gaming history is Guitar Hero and Rock Band and having people over and playing games in that front. So yeah, I play. I, I feel like I've kind of played everything. Like I said before, I just feel like I I've really and especially lately, like really opened my mind to there's not a genre that I want to just cross my arms and go not for me. It's like how do I know? Who knows? There could be something that strikes my fancy, and also just depends on when I'm playing a game. You know, there's there's times where a game like um, like Tell Me Why is a game like uh, um, oh gosh, what is that? What is that studio that makes those games? Tell Me Why is kind of like uh, don't. Uh, I'm totally blanking on. It. Yeah, the Don't Nod games. Yeah, thank you. Was it, was it them? Those are yeah. yeah. Um, those are the games that really have to like strike a mood for me, and it's like it's mm-hmm. very specific there. But I feel like that that goes for most games. You kind of have to be in the right space of mind, and that's probably one of the most challenging things I think about creating content around video games is that plays a factor. And I don't know how well aware many of us are about that, that we play a game because it came out, not because it's what we're in the mood for. And I think that can be, that can impact us and our opinion of games and how we talk about them to a huge, huge degree. And I I honestly don't know how we account for that or if we do, but I definitely noticed that, that I would rather more often than not, I would rather just choose that I'm going to be playing a game based on that's a game that I kind of want to play or that's what I'm in the mood for. But what I tend to do, and you guys probably do it as well, is the game came out, so we should probably play it. And it's For those two things to align at the exact same time that the game comes out right at the same time that you're in the mood for it is actually probably more rare than, than we imagined. But when it does happen, that's when you go like, holy crap, I cannot recommend this game enough. And it's just like perfect timing and the stars align on that. Yeah, and definitely because that's why I do a Nintendo podcast because I'm... I'm mainly looking forward to their releases. I'm quite happy to play them, but I know like if I did a PlayStation podcast and then I had to like talk about Assassin's Creed or I don't know, something else about, Oh, I can't be bothered. I, I couldn't care less because mm-hmm. obviously with um, some of these other platforms or um, publishers, there's a lot more sort of broad diversity of what they might release um, with basically more third party content coming to it. So I'll definitely probably struggle there. I probably just wouldn't play most of it, but yeah, now I'm playing something else, but yeah, um, I know for at least what I do, uh, I am looking forward to say Skyward Sword coming out or Monster Hunter or Pokemon Zelda, like just all of it. So I'm pretty 
take care of it. So yeah, and when it hits, it hits. Like I think that this year is like a really. I feel like I said I, I'm playing more of my Switch now than than in many years. But when Animal Crossing hit, like I was not into it. Um, I, I ended up playing it a little bit later. Um, mm-hmm. But I just feel like last year was a little bit rougher for me in in Nintendo Land. And this year, maybe it's just me. Again, maybe I'm just a happy person this year. I'm not sure exactly why, but like I was very open to spending $80 on Pokemon Snap for some reason. And I enjoyed <laughs> playing that game. I wasn't, I, I kind of just, especially with Nintendo, and I did take a break from podcasting about Nintendo after after Bobby had passed, and maybe that has something to do with it as well, where I just didn't have like the same critical eye. Like I didn't have, to, I didn't feel like I was going to play a game and then have to jump on a microphone and say like, this is what's good about it and this is what's not good about it. And I could genuinely just like play the game and experience it for what it is and not care that it's probably a very simple game. There's probably more they could have done with it. And it probably should have cost less or all these other things just didn't really matter as I just played the game for what it was. Hmm. So I think that's another kind of interesting thing that I kind of I like to reflect on every once in a while uh, of how how creating content around games kind of impacts my my overall enjoyment of it, which is an interesting thing because I started creating content around video games because I I actually wanted to have a little bit more of a purpose around that being my my hobby. I wanted there to be like um I don't know like a maybe just an an adult kind of purpose around uh, like a, like especially back in when I first started it was it was writing so I wanted to like apply some critical thought to my childish hobby and that's kind of where it really started and it has grown into podcasting over the years but now that I've been doing it for so many years it's kind of like okay well have I come full circle on this where do I want to go back to whereas before podcasting where I was just enjoying the game just to enjoy the game it's been so long since I've really lived in that space, that it's it's interesting to think about that now, having been doing this for almost six years, coming up in December. No, no, I, I definitely relate to that because, like, if I'm playing a game and like someone might come in and say it's my my wife's like parents or something, so you're just like you know just playing a game, just wasting time. It's like no, like I really care about like just everything about like like the games industry, whether it's like the people that make them, the people yeah. people that play them, these communities that sort of uh, sprout because of this game, reuniting people because of their shared love for this, like just the game, like the music that goes into it, the the, mm-hmm. the, the graphics, the story, like there's just so much to games that I think uh, a lot of people that aren't into it just overlook, which is fair enough because I overlook a lot of other hobbies as well. Of course, I'm, yeah. I'm, 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 uh, I'm guilty of that as well. Um but just you know, you, you when your podcast about like when we're playing Skull with Sword, I, I say to, I say to Chantel, I'm like, hey, I, I've got to, I've got to play this game because I've got to play, play I've got to talk about it on the podcast. And of so, course, yeah, like, it's a good out now. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's great out, it's great out. So if anyone's having trouble with their partner or something, getting time to play video games, just start a podcast, man. Just uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> just part of the gig. I was actually talking about Chelsea, uh, with my wife about that about that tonight. Like I, I gotta get through it. Like this is uh, it's it's part of the hobby now. And then before you know, then you start a Patreon, and then it becomes kind of like you know becomes that whole thing. So it, it that that's a really interesting thing that has happened just across the board is is how often and how how prevalent it is for um, a hobby like this to turn into you know in some ways a, a kind of a paid gig as well. So just what I what I like best about all of it though, Drew, is like just like how just like I was kind of talking about like discovering new genres is like how 
what else is there uh, in this world, in, in this world of video games? It's, you can discover a new genre of game, a new type of game, a new system, the new way of experiencing it, a new community, um, and even creating podcasts. It's like you could find new different ways of talking about games. And the, the way that you got you and Bryce talk about games is different from another podcast that talks about games. And in in our format for the Nintendo Drive is short and quick. And so that gives people a different flavor or it forces us to be pretty choosy about what we're going to, but what we're going to say, but then I come and listen to this podcast and it's like, I just love how comprehensive you guys are. And the, the fact that you're, you know, enough to even do that. I think the fact that our show is a little bit shorter speaks more to just <laughs> how much I know about the thing. And we spend about as much time as I know about really any of the given topics, which just aligns really nicely for me. But all of the discovery is, I think what keeps me going and probably for you as well is you don't you don't really get bored playing games, discovering what's next, kind of analyzing and unpacking how gaming companies are making these things top of mind for us, I think is so fascinating. And for me as well in my in my professional life, I like translating some of that wherever I can. And and just the hype machine of it. Like I think that just at a basic level what is the hype machine and how are they getting like they're whatever industry it is or whatever it, whether it's entertainment or whatever what i've learned in my in some of my work is that there's always going to be a, a group of people who are hyper attention focused to whatever the thing is i i once um helped the city here launch a, a new train station like a new like where the where the train was going to take over some of the bus for the for the public transit Sounds like super lame. And at the launch, I met this person who had, who had just completely geeked out about public transit. And I was like, this exists everywhere. This, an- this freaky Animal Crossing fandom that kind of like intimidates me exists for everything. <laughs> and I love being able to like translate how companies like Nintendo or Xbox cater to these hyper-focused and attentive fan bases and what they do to keep them engaged and think about how I do that in my, in my professional life as well, or how that exists in movies or music or anything like that. It's, I think that's what keeps me involved. And I'm glad that I discovered how to apply some critical thought to that. And I know there's, there's better thinkers out there than me, but I, I always, I enjoy that side of it as much as playing the games themselves. So it's, it's kind of a meta on top of a meta of the game. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like, you know, when you started playing your Game Boy and that evolves into, you know, just sort of really enjoying the craft of games and getting into it yourself, discussing them, analyzing them and applying it even to like your day job, which doesn't involve video games whatsoever as far as um, no. I'm aware. But like, nope. unfortunately, not yet. <laughs> you're not yet. Not One yet. day. Unfortunately for me, I don't know how I can incorporate video games into into a farm. I don't know. Mm. <laughs> get like a it's funny i saw it done the other way around yeah yeah they put farms into video games yeah actually i saw the uh special edition for farm simulator the um the other day and it has like one of the flashing lights you put on top of a tractor and mm-hmm. i thought that was like the funniest thing to get in the special edition because for me that is just a light which we use on top of the tractor like it's just like <laughs> so weird see but i think for farming I, I'm, I'm i'm obviously not a farmer but like there's there's gamifications of everything like i don't know if yeah. like if i'm just imagining myself trying to like like how do i do th- something how do i like do something better faster stronger than the day before uh upgrading equipment is kind of like a next generation of stuff like i feel like there's just a lot of different crossover of like when you yeah just as you progress i, I think the progression of anything like th- those sorts t- of technology and entertainment they start to mimic each other as well so i'm sure there's i'm sure there's more more similarities there than 
than maybe you might think. Yeah, I need to play a farming simulator. I see that it came to Game Pass, uh, farming simulator mm-hmm. nineteen, I think it was. Uh, yeah. So I'm gonna give it a go because, like, to be honest, I never got into it because the last thing I want to do is get home from work and like literally start up the Xbox or whatever and sit on the tractor. <laughs> on yeah. The TV. Yeah. It's not the last thing I want to do because I, I looked into it a while ago and what it basically is is say you've got to manually um, control your tractor to put in your crops and it takes like – it's a simulator. It takes pretty much the amount of time it would take. So you've got to do everything yeah. properly. You've got, to, you've got to make sure you <laughs> all your like say the bits that like uh, put out the seed and the rakes and that are set to the right thing and and it's then when the farmer's a bit more successful, you can hire someone and then you don't have to do that. Someone else just does it for you. I'm like, amazing. I'm like, that, that is, a, that is the simulation that is way too close to home. Way too close to mm-hmm. home. I'm more of a goat simulator type of guy where I'll go and simulate being a goat. <laughs> um, I don't know. Yeah. About, I don't know about sitting on the tractor and making sure that the cows are fed and doing sheep work. I'm like, Oh my God. Just, yeah. Probably yeah, you know, not. You just, you just want to live out your fantasies as a demonic goat that has really stretchy limbs and just flies around the map like crazy. Yes, mm. yes, I do. That's oh. just—it's what you've always wanted. It is. It actually is. I've always wanted to be a goat. My um, my partner, she she hates goats. She has a she is terrified of goats. So if I became a goat myself, it would be a no go. We'll be over. So I've got to live it through the video game. Mm. It's too bad. Mm. It is too bad. You poor boy. Yeah. So, Sean, was there any other aspects we should hit on before we start wrapping things up as far as, uh, I guess, aspects of video games that you really enjoy, whether it's been a console or a certain experience? I don't know, man. I feel like, honestly, I could probably talk about it for hours and hours and hours. Um, it's As much as I love Nintendo and, and Xbox now, especially, um, PC gaming was really at the heart of it. Like, my, the, where it was really peak for me was probably somewhere between, like, 1996 and 1999 was, like, really, really critical years for me, spending way too much money on PC parts and things like that. But I do like to think of myself as a pretty, like, well-rounded person in really most aspects of life, and it kind of carries over into video games as well um kind of a jack of all trades and really a truly master of of none of them um but yeah i I don't know i've kind of just dabbled into everything and i think that just has to do with my my curiosity and being very easily persuaded by other people's um enthusiasm for various things whether it's movies or music or whatever it's like well if you're into it and you kind of you're you're talking about it and you get me excited about it then i'm i want to check it out myself and i that has that has happened for so many things in life i I dabble in a little bit of guitar i play a little pc games i like to build my pcs a little bit i have every console you know it's just kind of i can't help myself at a certain point. So I tried, started out with writing. I wanted to do more YouTube stuff. Uh, I've done some video editing back even before YouTube. So I just, um, yeah, I'm kind of, I can't, like I said, I can't help myself. I just end up trying it all out, dude. So it's, it's been fun so far and I have no intention of stopping anytime soon. No, no, that's good to hear. Um, you're not going to throw your Xbox or switch in the bin. As soon as this podcast over, you know, yeah. After this episode, I'm done. I'm bloody sick That's of it. Draw, That's it. Draw really Bryce it. Turned me, turned me off that much. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. If there is any, I will, if there is anything that would, that would do that, it is like gamers just in general. Like we just need to calm, calm down a calm little down, bit. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they, yeah. They're, they're, they're fun. Games are fun. Yeah. No, Bros and I, we've had our moments, but yeah, we get over it. Don't we, Bros? I've been there. I've been there. I'm not really one Absolutely. to say much about it. Mm-hmm. The video games. I sure are. I sure are. Well, 
That brings us to the end of Reggie's rec room. What do you think of his rec room? Do you reckon it's nice in here, or do you reckon it's a bit needs a bit more sort of uh, paintings or more decoration? He doesn't really decorate his room that much, does he? It's like a dojo, really. It's a it's dojo. Like a, yeah, we should be in combat or something. Yeah, I don't know what he's doing here. He's, he's changes it every week. I'm, it's hard to keep up mm-hmm. with. Bryce, what do you reckon it's going to be next week? Um, a McDonald's. A McDonald's. Oh, Sean will. There we go. <laughs> Sean will call by them. I'm back. I'm back next week. <laughs> oh yeah. Drive by by accident. <laughs> oh no. All those diet cokes. Everyone's going to rip into you again, Sean. Well, you have to see what it's really like to have all these empty McDonald's cups lying around. That's the embarrassing part of it. <laughs> that and your bank statements. McDonald's, 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 over and over and over again. You should start paying cash at these places. Yeah, that's, that's a good embarrassing. idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't know. Cash during these days is uh, it's a risky endeavor. I don't as carry well. it. Mm. I agree. I agree. Yeah, I don't have much cash on me either. Just uh, letting everyone know who p- could potentially rob me. If you see me in person, I've got no cash. Don't, don't, don't. Just wearing a, wearing a shirt or a sign, no cash inside, carrying no cash. Mm. All right. So that brings us to the end of the, of the episode. Sean, thank you very much for joining us today. Dude, thanks for having me, man. This was, uh, I, now I know where and when you guys record. So I'm just going to kind of sneak on in every week. This has been awesome. Yeah, no, please do. You're more than welcome to come on anytime you like. If we can ever sort of, Mix these time zones, um, get it to work because that, that's one of the hardest yeah. things. Um, Bryce made the sacrifice today with uh, sitting in the kitchen with his kids. So, Bryce, thank you very much for making the time to be here as well. That's all right, man. Cool, cool. And everyone, thank you very much for getting to this point and listening to The House of Murray, episode 199. If you'd like to support the show, you can leave an Apple podcast review like fucking Bryce did, apparently. You bloody cheeky <laughs> bastard. <laughs> you love it I do love it it's really funny actually Um, you can follow myself on Twitter at iDruby you can follow Bryce at Ivy Revan and you can follow the show at The House of Mario and please follow Sean at Sean Capri he's he's a great uh, follow on Twitter you'll be able to check out all his content including We The Gamer Cast Nintendo Drive Xbox Drive Sweet Hangs uh, and many more much more stuff on You Me and Capri uh, Sean, give us the spiel. What is You, Me, and Capri all about? Tell us about the shows and everything. I really want people to go and check it out because, um, honestly, You, Me, and Capri, the Patreon you guys do is the best value on the platform. Honestly, just oh. with with the amount of content you put out, you've got six podcasts, six days a week, um, extra content as well, depending on what time of the month it is. Just absolutely fantastic ship you run over there. I've been a fan for like a few years now um, with a with uh, you and Bobby and now you and Ryan Turford, uh, Turford by, uh, by yourselves, um, really do enjoy your stuff. So it's been an absolute pleasure to be able to talk to you uh, this week. Thanks, man. I feel like you do a better sales job than I ever really could. Honestly, you, you kind of captured it all there. The, the thing I would say is that it's um, it's been an amazing journey so far, and I know we're going to be continuing on. And it, it just has felt very organic the whole time you know we we celebrated a, a big day in april of like this is going to be the new era of of content from from me and from ryan we kind of put it out there a bunch of different goals and the community really showed up and told us what they wanted us to do which was 
launch a Nintendo show. So we started the Nintendo Drive where I drive a car and record with my good friend, Consul Cato, who runs an amazing YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Consul Cato. Um, 60,000 subs for an Animal Crossing community. It's just awesome over there. Within um, the one so year a, too. That is Within ins- the year. Insane. Yeah. Congratulations to her. That was so, awesome. Yeah. For everything, you know, and you say very nice things about me and I appreciate it, but like Cato is like this very quiet but insanely hardworking and very very talented um content creator and i just i love to see that because like there's no ego there there's no nothing she's just like she's just busting her ass mm-hmm. but very like it, it's 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 i've never seen anything quite like it before actually she's her work ethic is unreal so um but yeah it's it's been just so it's almost been accidental but just kind of listening to what the community is asking us to do and we're kind of putting things out like we we're interested in doing this and the community comes up and says yeah we'd like to we'd like that to be the thing so that's how we got to a point where we have six podcasts and um yeah covering all the like you said xbox drive nintendo drive playstation drive so if you're console specific that's great sweet hangs is really there for just kind of a a, a sweet hang donnie reese and i we have just we, we sit and chat and catch up on life um every single week we the gamer cast is what started all of it where i have sweet hangs with a stranger from the internet and drew you've been on and bryce will have to get you on and Maybe your kids as well, your entire family, and have everybody in the <laughs> kitchen. <laughs> but it's, Jesus. A, it's a new guest every week, so maybe we'll just have like a month of Bryce's family and an individual each time. But uh, just have our kids host the show. There we go. Yeah, yeah. It's it's. Oh, I don't know. that would be it's, so funny. You should. You should. Yeah. It's <laughs> we the gamer cast has been fun, man. That's that's been the that's been the thing that like has introduced me to so many people. It's it's um, it was something I started just to see if I could. And I met Bobby Pauls through that. I met um, Brock McLaughlin, who introduced me to everybody at Xbox Canada. Like th- that show just changed everything for me. And I will, that's the reason I will tell anybody who's even remotely interested in doing a podcast, like my experience with Weedy GamerCast, I will tell everybody to start their own podcast. Even if nobody listens, you learn so much about yourself, you'll discover more than you ever imagined that you could. And it's just, it's unlike anything else, and it's so easy to do it now too. So if you're as, as long as you're not too hard on yourself, start your own damn podcast. It's a it's a good time. It just it also just seems like the thing you're supposed to do at a certain point in life. You probably should just pick up a microphone and talk into it for a couple hours a week. Mm. I did see during COVID, like a lot of people like started doing the podcasting, and but like a lot of people like you know, dropped off pretty quick as well when life sort of goes back to a bit more of a stable pace. So, yeah, yeah, it is a commitment, it it's is. A, but it also becomes, I don't know about you, but like, it just becomes kind of just like part of the identity. Like, I just can't imagine not doing this now. It's just, this is, I don't know. There's also, you also invest quite a lot into it. You know, you got the gear and everything and, but yeah, it just becomes just part of what you do. So I feel like I learned even just how to talk and be comfortable with me speaking and having nobody else interrupt me or me being, being able to complete a thought. I didn't feel like I was very good at that before. And I just gives you that space to kind of practice a skill that you otherwise wouldn't have. So I don't know how I got off on the rant of telling people to start their own podcast, but I tend to do that from time to time. <laughs> so get on it, boys. Get your own podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, record your voice, put it on the internet. Sean will listen to it. Sean will listen to it. Probably. Yeah, I do <laughs> listen to a lot of podcasts, actually. But So yeah, I probably will be your first listener. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, if you'd like to join our Discord community, there is an invite in the show notes. And if you got to this point of the podcast, go into the general chat there and leave the hashtag, yes, Sean indeed drives during his podcasts. That's a nice long one. God, it's yes, too long. Yes, Sean indeed drives during his podcasts because he does indeed drive 
during the Nintendo Drive and the Xbox Drive, which was, I remember the first time I listened to the Xbox Drive, um, you actually weren't on it. And like no one mm-hmm. was no no one was driving. I'm like, what's it called? The, what's it called? The Xbox Drive. And I listened to the next episode. Oh, look, Sean's back and he's driving. There you go. I think I've missed one. <laughs> I think that might have been the only episode I ever missed. I, I'm pretty sure uh, I've only ever missed one. And yeah, I, I I got McDonald's. It all started as a honestly, the show started as a joke, and now it you know it has morphed into something slightly less than a pure joke. It's mostly a joke still, I guess. It's a good time. It's a That's good time. It it's a good time. Mm-hmm. And a big thank you to our Patreon producers, DJ, Sam Hay, and Alex Harding. Very much appreciate you guys. And, guys, that's the show. Once again, Sean, thank you very much. Thank you very much, Bryce. And the doors to the House of Mario are closed. We'll catch you later. Ciao.